I'm Fathery. This is Dave. This is Starfleet Boy. I'm Rachel. And this is Text Trek. Engage. Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 200th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek, old and new. And tonight we are celebrating the 200th episode of our podcast by reflecting on all the best things to come out of Star Trek in these last five years of of having Star Trek back on TV. And I'm, I'm so happy to be joined by not, not just my, my regular co-host Dave, and frequent guest Starfleet Boy, but also Rachel is back. So, uh, Rachel, how are you doing? Pretty good. Well, better. I did not. <laughs> my AC went out earlier this week. Oh, no. Which is not ideal. Because I do live in Texas. Um, yeah. I went to oh, my yeah. brother's house, and then a nice man came and fixed the air conditioning. Yay, Scotty. Yay. Yeah, we're Scotty. Yeah, so, like, as hot as it is in the in the UK right now, like, that's uh, that's normal summer weather for us right so right but they are not prepared it was like texas's cold front yeah but but ac is essential we're not we're not prepared to not have it you know after getting used to it also for the record our summer has been worse than texas summers in the past everywhere i think there's records yeah yeah. which is why it's perfect we're getting hot here on text <laughs> <laughs> nice segue no it was no it was it was a segue nevertheless <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't do the obvious uh doomer thing and, and remind everyone about our inevitable doom from climate change which uh, i just ruined Oof. that now so. <laughs> i am a this, doomer but yes i didn't do it <laughs> listen zephyr cochran needs a backdrop of destruction <laughs> to set sail against so yeah we, oh we need God. we need the uh destruction of earth so, so could, if Phoenix we can hurry can it up, rise. he can get to, he can get going. Yeah, I'm re- I'm ready for the Vulcans to show up, and we can you know get replicators and get rid of capitalism and and, and be a happier society. But <laughs> in the meantime, though, we do have all of these five Star Trek shows. We we've had five years of Star Trek being back in production on television, uh, so that's really cool. And you know, we want to celebrate that with. Uh, our audience with each other uh, to talk about the things that we've enjoyed the most. And we also have some really, really cool things we're going to share that were, was submitted to us from other Star Trek content creators. We'll get, we'll get started with that in just a moment. I do have a little bit of housekeeping though. Just want to remind everyone who is watching this live on Friday night that currently, and in case you're living under a rock, uh, San Diego comic con is going on kind of a big deal. The first like real San Diego comic con in a couple of years and Star Trek has a huge panel that's going to be happening tomorrow on Saturday. And that's at, uh, I believe, 1245 Pacific time. It's going to run for an hour and a half. 
uh, Starfleet Boy and I uh, are going to be covering that over on the Trek Central YouTube channel. So be sure to catch that live. We'll have all the breaking news, whatever crazy stuff is revealed there. Uh, we'll be talking about it. And uh, then Sunday, there's going to be a text Trek stream where we're going to take a little bit more in-depth at, you know, any trailers that might have been revealed or things like that. That'll be at 3 p.m. Central on Sunday. Dave and I will get back to our Deep Space Nine Season 5 adventures next week. We're watching episodes 10 through 18 of Season 5. Yeah, I had a super good time with uh, round one of the season, so I'm ready for it. Yeah, and speaking of Season 5 of DS9, we will be doing our Patreon watch-along that we do every month. It's going to be on Saturday the 30th. So coming up uh, next weekend, Saturday, and uh, we are going to be watching Trials and Tribulations, one of the uh, the best episodes of Star Trek ever made, in my opinion. <laughs> your first, uh, sorry to interrupt there, your first Patreon stream is one I do not remember, but well, that's okay. that, I, that I know was great. <laughs> you were there, you were present, that's the main I thing. Present, it's true. <laughs> I believe you were passed out on your keyboard, sir. I might have been, it's true. Yeah, but if, if you want to be there, you can go join our Patreon at, you know, whatever tier, there's different perks, but... Uh, as long as, as you come in uh, uh, on some level, you'll get invited to the, the watch long. You can come in as little as $2 a month. And just a quick shout out to our current Patreon supporters. Uh, you, Starfleet Boy, but also Cake is Eternal, Gay Clevin Lundstrom, Crazy Dutchie, Joanne Robertson, and Quark's Bar. Thank you all so much. And also our anonymous supporters. So. Definitely. These are these are lovely people. I, I love our audience. And that's why I'm like so excited about this show. I've been excited since we like sort of moved to the live stream format to to kick off the um, text track stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready to jump in and talk this stuff. I see in our, in our live audience, uh, Thomas Hill is here and he says, uh, I say, well done a great milestone you have reached. So thank you so much. Uh, but yeah, it was a, I don't want to say it was Thomas a long always road been a... getting from there to here, but <laughs> man, father, I can't believe you said those words. I know that hurts you. That's um, the song that hurts. I don't, I don't mind the, Oh, okay. The, you can, the you can say the words. The lyrics are fine. <laughs> yeah. Thomas been uh, been hanging with us for a good while now and is, yep. a, is an awesome person. Always enjoy his comments. And I also see I see Joanne Robertson out yeah. in the um, out in the comment land. We'll we'll have something from her I think in a little bit. Yeah, and uh, Cake is Eternal, um, another one of our loyal regulars. But to I guess uh, start this this kind of celebration of modern Star Trek. I I think the the biggest thing right now the hot topic. The Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We just had the new season of the new show. I just want to ask, you know, what do people think of the the first season? And people in our live audience, be sure to chime in. Let us know what you thought of season one of Strange New Worlds. But I want to start with with Rachel because I've I've already heard a lot from Dave and Starfleet Boy. Rachel, what did you think of season one of Strange New Worlds? I mean, I mean, my shirt is a pretty good giveaway. <laughs> I I loved it. I was actually thinking, because uh, I was sitting at this desk wearing this shirt, like, when Strange New Worlds was announced. Just happened oh, to be wearing Oh, back in 2020? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, it's crazy. Just happened to be wearing this shirt with, it, with Pike on it. Oh, so that's from his, like, Discovery appearance. Yeah, he's, yeah. I, you're, you can't, I don't know how well you can yeah, see it. Yeah, yeah, okay, he's like, got the, he's got the goal. Yeah. Yeah, the, the listeners can't see it, but she's yeah. wearing the the Pike in the Disco uniform from Season yeah. 2, a Discovery shirt. I, I loved it so much. I loved like the episodic honestly i like the like it being episodic more than i think i realized i would 
because I would say my favorite of old older Star Trek is something more serialized. But I think I missed that like nice mix where it wasn't like I like. But I really enjoyed that like I could show uh, like a friend a random episode and they wouldn't be completely confused about what's happening. And I I love all the characters so much too. Cool. Yeah, oh. I I think the 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 return to serialization has made like a big impression on that was kind of something that was in demand. You know, people mm-hmm. people were watching Discovery and Picard, and they're like, okay, this is cool, but I want to get back to like those those really juicy, you know, self contained stories that we got yeah. in a, a single episode that Trek traditionally did so well. I saw an interesting comment online the other day on a message board or a thread somewhere. Somebody saying they were asking for like cozy Star Trek episodes, you know, those low stakes holodeck episodes and stuff like that. And they were saying that one of the things that they liked about Strange New Worlds is that that format opened up those options for for lighter episodes. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Discovery and Picard, it was always saving the universe and it got and some of these people very anxious. And and I'm like, yeah, that's I hadn't thought about it. But yeah, that's one of the things I kind of like about it, too, is it's a little it's a little cozy sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's. I've talked about how one of my favorite episodes of TNG is the Royale, where they're just stuck at a casino, and I'm like, yeah, like Data's wearing a cowboy hat. I'm charmed by this. <laughs> like, yeah, and that that high roller in the casino is from Texas. It was one of the few times yeah. there is a, a Texan represented like in from Star Lubbock, Trek, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. or Amarillo, somewhere somewhere, somewhere in North Texas. I, I, am I thinking Lubbock because that's where I was born? That is. Possible. It might have been Lubbock, which is like the worst <laughs> city. I'm so, sorry to all the Lubbockians out there, but yeah, Lubbock is like oh, the worst yeah. city in Texas to live in. Oh, I like I, the name Lubbockian. The, um, <laughs> cool. I could make a joke. The best thing that come out of Lubbock was me and Buddy Holly. I don't like. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Rachel, can I say that you might be more my favorite than Buddy Holly? Well, Aww. that's very. Uh, do I look better in glasses than? <laughs> Yes, we do also. <laughs> Although he was very cute in glasses. Uh, <laughs> uh, also in our Ooh. live audience, uh, Uncle Arth- <laughs> Arthur is saying that Strange New Worlds is the best Trek since the original. That is a that is a that is a hell of a claim to fame. High praise, high praise. I was like, that's. I was like, I can't. I was like, I don't know. I have to think about that a lot. And then we have a guest from YouTube channel triangulum audio studios is saying that he thought it was solid had some great moments probably one of the strongest star trek series starts ever love more from tri triangulum that's hard to say triangulum audio studios later in the show snoopy mcqueen is also here saying strange new worlds is the best first season since tos best season Mm -hmm. just my casual observation and we've talked about this before is just then the reaction is the best i've seen of uh, any Trek, uh, honestly, since I, I feel like the like I was became aware of the internet, <laughs> like everything <laughs> yeah. probably had some level of pushback. But and and sure, Strange New Worlds had some has some pushback too. Not everybody loves it, but man, it got the best reception overall. I think there is something to the fact that Strange New Worlds came out of a like, hey, we're watching this other show. Like we like these people. And they're like, cool, would you like more of them? And you're like, yes, yes, I would. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, I would. It's just like that. Well, throughout the rest of the show, uh, we're, we're going to have Dave read some of the responses we've gotten on social media. Uh, but the, the, the first comment we have in our subspace transmissions came from our Discord server. So, Dave, do you want to let us know what Euronymous on the TextTrek Discord server had to say about Strange New Worlds? Sure. Uh, it's, this is short and, uh, and to the point. SNW is bussin' for real, for real, no cap. <laughs> so there you go. It's a very, uh, very modern take. 
on a very <laughs> modern Star Trek show, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh just, my. just so y'all know, that guy told me that we could quote him but not paraphrase him because he just wanted to make Dave say that. So yeah, thanks go. for that. Thanks for that. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I just want to build on what Rachel said a second ago about you. You know, uh, Strange New Worlds being unique in that we kind of got a sample of it in Discovery. Uh, your season two t-shirt you know being uh-huh. evidence of that um and you know that, that kind of helped create like the demand for it and which led to i guess the acceptance of the show uh and you know all the enthusiasm that, while we were waiting i felt like we were waiting on the show for forever uh-huh. uh, but i think we yeah. should give discovery credit a lot of strange new world stands on the shoulders of discovery you know anson mounts pike rebecca romaine's number one and ethan peck spock all were were part of discovery before they were part of strange new worlds and and, oh. and the the triumphs and failures of discovery too i think strange new worlds had the advantage of of, of having you know the, the hindsight of that oh definitely i there's something where um of lack of a better term, like strange new worlds comes out where as if they've like had their sea legs for making new mm. star trek mm. they're like cool we've discovered what what works what doesn't and also, like, I think it was specifically positioned as Strange New Worlds as a counterpoint to both Picard and and uh, Discovery's serial format, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. so that it didn't have to, like, it wasn't, it was almost less competitor and more like, we're going to, you know, kind of show you a little bit of a different side. Even though these are the same characters you visited in that show, uh, we're going to, our approach is going to be different. Um, so, yeah, they also got the advantage. Yeah, they, they definitely had that hindsight 2020. Uh, and they got to be... Um, you know play off of it i think also it's great you know discovery is very well well um, represented in strange new worlds too i'm glad that they chose to intermix a lot of you know just kind of like the discovery universe is very much it is they don't ignore new, it right yeah. well i would even go so far as to say that strange new world takes place in the discovery era like it is a discovery mm-hmm. era show like i'm i know strange new worlds is awesome but it takes place where Discovery began. It's like it's continuing in that era, you know, like so now we have a 32nd century perspective and we now we have Strange New Worlds kind of like continuing the uh, 23rd, 23rd century perspective. Yeah, which I really kind like. of this, this whole that. era of, of modern Star <laughs> Trek is kind of the Discovery era. Like Discovery yeah, well, is... Yeah, I would, I would name it that. Yeah, I would totally yeah. name it that. It's what yeah. got all of this started, you know, back uh, five years ago, September 24th, 2017. Um, and, it, you know, it, it, if that show hadn't had gotten some subscribers on CBS All Access back then, you know, Paramount Plus <laughs> now, but you know, if, mm-hmm. if, if it hadn't have done that, we would not have four additional spinoffs going right now. So I subscribed I... on the day Discovery premiered to send a message. <laughs> to... I, I think <laughs> it was maybe two days before something. I like <laughs> yeah, waited. <laughs> No, I think I'm making that up. I had it already, but still, <laughs> that's what I would have done. Oh, you're building a narrative. Yeah, you're, yeah it's you're true. You're building up the Starfleet Boy biography. Ma- making it up as he goes along. The untrue like tales of Starfleet Boy, which is real. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Even the lies. Even the lies. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think Discovery is kind of, It's I don't want to say on the back burner but it, it, it's it's not front and center right now it's going to be a while before we get season five they just started mm-hmm. production of we're actually going to get 10 episodes of every other show before we get any more discovery uh so wow. which seems kind of weird but um i i do i do want to uh 
as Starfleet Boy likes to say, give Discovery its flowers. You know, it, it, uh, <laughs> I stole that from Braxton, by the way. I know. Or, or uh, I guess but, it's from Drag Race, really. Is I've, heard, I've heard you say it more than, than Braxton. Because <laughs> I, I think it. We, we have some subspace <laughs> transmissions from Braxton later. So oh, yay. It's going to be cool. But speaking of that, though, uh, Dave, we had a message sent to us from Rachel's co-host over on the Disco Tech podcast, uh, Marcy, who did our really cool text track artwork if people like the little cartoon characters of us in starfleet uniforms uh go check out uh, marcy on twitter at marcy london art but uh dave do you want to read to everyone what marcy wrote in about star trek discovery yeah she's got something something pr- pretty real to say here uh marcy wrote uh star trek got me through the darkest scariest time of the pandemic discovery brought me back into fandom after i had moved on to other things since the tng days the Star Trek community took me in and made me feel welcome when it was really difficult to socialize because of COVID. So Discovery will always hold a special place in my heart. And that's it. Cool. And I love these kind of stories from from Trekkie fans. You know, it's like it's 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 one of those shows that means something more than many shows can accomplish. I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, Marcy, I believe, just started. Uh her uh strange new worlds uh watching so she's just getting into it oh very cool yeah always exciting yeah. i think i saw that on twitter today I yeah see so much. I see <laughs> oh nice see so much <laughs> I, uh, no there's definitely a time when like um that that first season, season of picard uh uh was getting me at sort of the weird transition where if the first episode of the first season of picard i went to a bar to watch it in a crowd and by the end mm. of it, I was lo- we were locked up. Like, we were not in lockdown. Right, yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, and I, was, and I remember I, like, I returned to the first season at some point, and I was like, oh, I'm enjoying this more than I did. I'm like, I think I was just in a bad place when I watched this <laughs> the first time. Yeah, the anxiety on that was through the roof in the early yeah. days of the pandemic. I mean, I know a lot of us still dealing with, but but yeah, it was we're, a special yeah. kind of unknown at the mm-hmm. time. That was, that was a predicament particularly hard thing for me because i had uh like a bunch of other issues going on at the time um that i i think i've talked about before but uh, yeah our, our pet died our car got broken into uh someone oh, no. uh, close to me's mother passed away um my dad got cancer somewhere and he's i mean he, he got better but uh it, so that like the frustrating thing to me was like yeah like um having to like stay at home and lockdown isn't even like my top five, like worst things going on right now. So it's, it's like, I, I was like drained my drained to my empathy because I, I, I was like, everyone was like so miserable about that. I'm like, I'm miserable about this and like 10 other things that are worse. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but Star- uh, did you feel like Star Trek kind of helped you at least uh, like uh, it totally did. Yeah. Like <laughs> this was going to say it, like yeah. speaking, speaking of like the text Trek experience and just making this content text Trek number 100 so one of the first things we ever tried oh, to do wow. live, That's cool. it was the Picard season one finale. Half of text Trek has existed in the two and a, almost two and a half years to follow Picard. Cause we've just had so much content now. We've had, we had to become a weekly show to keep up with everything. And uh, yeah, so it, it, it has been nuts, but yeah, I, I will always be thankful for star Trek for, you know, giving me this community. Um, I, I, I honestly, like I, I, during the pandemic and that's all of that craziness, I felt more connected to people in a lot of ways than I had, uh, you know, the, the few years before that, because I was able to reach out to the Star Trek community online. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, so that, that, that for sure meant a lot to me. 
cheers to that fathery. Hell yeah. I, I do want to briefly mention, and this won't matter to the people listening, but Star Trek San Diego, I'm sorry, not Star Trek San Diego. It might as well be with <laughs> a big Star that. Trek banner <laughs> above the convention center. Nice. But uh, San Diego Comic Con going on right now. Uh, there's going to be big news for Strange New Worlds, Picard's. Oh, I don't know if it's going to be big news for Strange New Worlds. I think that might be just the season one victory lap. They might tease a little season two stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Picard season three, I think we're getting a teaser trailer. Lower decks, we're probably getting a full trailer. But uh, right now, our friend uh, Larry Nemechek, a.k.a. Dr. Trek, is in San Diego at, at the convention. He's actually running a panel. Not not the main Star Trek panel, but a Star Trek, I guess, adjacent multimedia. It's like talking about like books and comics, video games type of stuff panel. He was kind enough to take time to submit a clip uh, talking about some of the things that he's enjoyed most in this modern era of Star Trek, the last five years of having Star Trek back on TV. So I would like to uh, take some time right now and just share a message from Larry Nemechek. That's so cool. <laughs> my favorite things from the last five years of Star Trek. My five favorite things from the last five years of Star Trek. Uh, or something. Um, okay, Star Trek Back from the Dead, for one thing. Star Trek legacy characters and their actors being seen as a real thing. And fun and doable and bankable. Uh, our stellar cartography star charts. Uh, well... Mike to Jeff to me, being used big and confidently and coolly. That's awesome. Um, My favorite line of the past five years, the past is the light by which we illuminate the future. You know, the past is not some junky, dusty thing in a box. It's how we survive. Oh, that is so relevant for these days. Uh, Okay, well, the runner-up also, uh, hey, I just had that table rejotted. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah that's one of plushy's favorites too um oh the back of cyborg's silhouetted head that's all <laughs> after all these years of hearing the whining about they they just invented canon that's because they're inventors like where was that years ago where was he years ago oh it just made me smile and smile and smile all day uh i guess though most of all you're having a bicentennial or a bipodentennial, whatever. Number 200. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome, Stephen. Um, but it makes me smile because you are part of the wave that brought some cl- sanity, clarity in the big picture to Star Trek. Because we had some really, really dark days there with the toxic tubers getting all the views and the clicks and the eyeballs. But Plushy and me, Plushy McCoy and me, are thrilled to see what you've done Um what everybody's done, where the world has come back from. That's been partly my favorite, probably my favorite part of the last five years, that we have saved Star Trek fandom from itself and just got some sanity back into things. So, another 200 more to you, sir, and um, truck well, okay? I'm actually delightful. Like, teary-eyed. Yeah, that's I know, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was uh, some very kind words, uh, Larry. I I really appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much. But uh, also also thank you for those wonderful star charts that they are using in the new show. So that is really cool. And and he gives a shout out to uh, to Mike I think Mike Okuda and 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 Jeff Mandel. I think is who 
also uh, worked on those before before he did. But yeah, so that was really cool. He did have his little plushy McCoy doll uh, <laughs> sitting on his shoulder like a parrot for people listening to this who, who couldn't see it. But I, I, consider... I do apologize, by the way, to the podcast audience. There might be some weird audio things. We're going to be playing, you know, different clips from different people. So it might might be a little inconsistent. But, you know, that's part of the fun is uh, infinite diversity and infinite combinations mm-hmm. thing. So we're, <laughs> we might have a, a divi- diversity of, of uh, audio quality <laughs> and volume levels and stuff like that as well. But Just uh, imagine that the uh, Starship Texas is passing through the Mutara Nebula. <laughs> We have some like technical problems. I'd like to suggest to, I don't know, maybe the four of us have enough clout for this, but I'd like to suggest to Star Trek itself to have uh, Larry Namachek uh, somehow officially play Dr. McCoy so that he can be Dr. McCoy on canon because he's part of the uh, Star Trek Continues and mm-hmm. he has played Dr. McCoy. So that's pretty cool. Well, I think <laughs> if Larry was here, he would say uh, he would rather them hire a professional actor. But... <laughs> <laughs> you may say that. It's true. At least a cameo would be nice. Like... Yeah. I let him cameo. He can be McCoy's... Uh... I think he should be dad or brother or something. No, we... Yeah, that would be, that'd be great. I'd, I'd love that. Um, that he did a cameo. Awesome. He did an Enterprise in that last episode of Enterprise. He had a cameo. He was? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. I, uh, oh, cool. I, I think I lost that now. last episode of Enterprise out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's an unfortunate you. episode to be in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, like... You know, that, that might not be a great moment in Star Trek, but I, I, I do want to talk about, like, do y'all have any favorite moments like that? You know, Larry brought up a big one for me. It was like Cybok, you know, the, the mm-hmm. return of Cybok. That was huge. I, I, I leaped out of my chair screaming with joy and, and couldn't stop. Um, the, 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 the quote that Larry mentioned, the, uh, the, the past is, is the light we use to eliminate, illuminate the future or whatever, whatever Vance told Osira, uh, just out of the, the four of us and people in our live audience, does anyone have any, you know, favorite scenes, favorite pieces of dialogue, favorite like conversations or moments, you know, that really stood out to you over the last five years of new Star Trek? Unfortunately, I can't show this to you because it's on the computer. The sticker is on the computer I'm like using uh, the webcam of, but I have a sticker of Pike, uh, Pike's line, the be bold, be brave, be courageous. Oh, nice. That's that another another contribution from Discovery, by the yeah. way. Uh, I, I wanna, I'll quick mention a Discovery thing. Um, this was um, in, in season one when they were in the mirror universe and times were dark and Saru kind of did his first sort of rallying speech to the crew. Mm-hmm. I really liked the notion you know, he was like re- rejecting Lorca's, you know, the, the hold he might still have on the crew and what he described as like their move that day, their plan that they were enacting as their maiden voyage. I really liked that as an, as an idea of, of, of the way people can remake themselves and take something that may have been, you know, a situation they might have been a part of uh, that was a bad situation and, and kind of reinvent themselves to push forward boldly in that Trek style. So Saru, Saru figures in a lot of my strong memories about mm. uh, about Discovery. And that was that was one of the early se- scenes where I was like, oh, this guy's he's going to he's got some growth in it. Mm-hmm. My moment's very special to me because Star Trek uh, Picard is my favorite and uh, probably the one that means the most to me uh, just on a personal level um, of the new uh, era series um, and so it's when when Q and um, Jean-Luc are sitting in the solarium I think it's like at the end of uh, the season and uh, I'm going to paraphrase I'm not going to read the whole quote but uh, he says I as I leave I leave you free and then later he goes on to tell Jean-Luc that it matters to me. You matter to me. And I just like lost it when that, that moment, it's kind of like, oh, yeah. that seems so good. 
it's like it... <laughs> 30 plus years of history coming together mm-hmm. yeah no it was amazing. yeah it's a, it's a tearjerker for sure i you started leaving the line i started tearing up a little i was like it's so <laughs> I, another mo- really good moment from that from that episode is uh wesley coming back yes was yes just... that was so good too Which yeah, that's I a big one for me accidentally too. predicted on tiktok like the day before <laughs> i joked about wesley coming back and so I was like, what, right. what the hell did you do and i was like i don't know yeah i remember you uh telling us about that so um, good but the when the legacy characters show up it's such a easy fan servicey way to like get like a positive reaction from your audience but damn it like it really i i love mm-hmm. these people i like seeing like new adventures with them when that we got that first episode of picard and it opens with the enterprise and we see picard and data playing poker it's, and yeah it's like moments like that are so yeah. big like yeah, people... it, 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 i don't want the game to end <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Like, that's a great line that was uh triangulum audio studio <laughs> says in our live audience that was uh his favorite or one of his favorite moments uh, uh, but picard gets a lot of the, the good dialogue like yeah that. i was gonna say wesley i feel like kind of unceremoniously like his last episode of tng is not super great he has a very short cameo <laughs> in nemesis it was nice to like see him actually respected as a character and not just like the meme he had become right right and you know i felt like Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like yeah will wheaton has been breaking out of that mold for like at least 20 years now probably yeah uh if and 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 it it was like it was as if yeah like the pop culture finally caught up to the reality Mm -hmm. and um there is another good line in picard that really stood out to me and that was um fear is the great destroyer in season one of Picard that it was like, like the giving, giving into our fear. That's what, that's what brought us down. That's, that's the real enemy here. But uh, speaking of good pieces of dialogue from Star Trek Picard, we have a clip from Trek Central's very own captain Jack, who's going to share some of the things that stood out to him from the last five years of modern Star Trek. And that's including some Picard dialogue. So I'm going to go ahead and share this clip from Captain Jack. And Captain Jack will get you. And Text Trek asked me to send in a little video to talk of my favorite moments over the last five or so years in the Star Trek universe. Where do we begin? You know, honestly, one of my most recent favorite scenes, and it's not for Stranger Worlds just yet, is actually in Star Trek Picard Season 2. It's when Picard's giving his speech to Starfleet Academy, and that sort of inspirational and also motivation speech in a sense talk about looking up there and seeing what's out there it is the very essence of star trek we look up to and it's just beautiful i go on about it for days also i've got to talk about captain pike yes strange wars is fantastic but honestly in the last five years i think it still counts five years in season two of discovery when answer mount as captain pike first beams aboard discovery Ah, it's fantastic, and it's a great moment of that. And now we've got Strange New Worlds, which just finished its first season, on our way to season two sometime soon. Oh, and I have to mention one last thing before Tex boots me off, is we finally got an Odyssey class featured in a comic. It's the closest to canon we've got yet. With any luck, the Enterprise will be with us soon. All right, everyone, enjoy Tex's show, and uh, you can ski us on Trek Central. See you soon. That was that was awesome. Uh, by the way, Starfleet boy, don't think I didn't appreciate your uh, your Captain Jack rendition from Billy Joel. I know I know what's got, I know what's up, man. I almost got it in. You know, I wanted to quick mention. Uh, I saw in the comments, Quark's bar uh, says this is going to sound horrible, but for me, the big moment was Tyler snapping Colbert's neck. I lost it. Uh, uh, that was a hard hitting moment. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I have a story. So I was on a vacation to Australia, visiting a friend who's Australian and a friend who's not. When that episode came out, and we were like in between uh, sightseeing stuff, and so I was watching with headphones because neither of them watched the show. They do now because I made them, but they were apparently just talking, and I just apparently gasped so loud at that part <laughs> that they burst out laughing. <laughs> Oh no, you can't laugh That's... at that. That's a tragic <laughs> moment. Yeah, and then I was they're like, what happened? I was like, someone just got brutally murdered. Like, oh, man. I love. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I had a fun time watching that episode because I watched it on the 2018 Star Trek cruise. And uh, a, a oh, friend of mine uh, went, went on land during one of our uh, ex- excursions and got someone to send that to her, the episode to her. Because they didn't have like an official screening of it on the cruise. They they've corrected that ever since then. They they do like official screenings if there's oh, new episodes that come out. But yeah, so like she kind of like that's smuggled like... it on board, and we watched yeah. it in her cabin with her. It was it was fun to just see it in, with in a in yeah, a group I'm, of people. Yeah, I'm that glad they're doing that Star Trek now because like that. that seems like such an obvious thing to do together. Yeah, the other cool thing about that is that the Star Trek comic book artist J.K. Woodward was on the cruise, and I got to show him that episode. And uh, that was like the first Mirror Universe episode of of um. Discovery, and he he draws like the Mirror Universe comic, so he was all like all into that. It was it was a fun mm-hmm. experience. Uh, Father, I want to just quick throw out one thing real fast. It's uh, it's a it's a not serious scene as a favorite because i feel like it kind of represents the energy that discovery brought and would bring in some ways to the whole franchise. And also credits, by the way, to the two thousand eight movie, two thousand seven the 2009 2009 i, I was yes. getting there star trek 09 came out in 09 uh to the uh, kelvin verse movies <laughs> but <laughs> in discovery the scene in the episode uh magic to make the sanest man go mad the party uh i i love that it was kind of throughout a little bit of the stuffier style of i'm going to say the tng parties and stuff and dropped you know hip-hop beats beer pong uh, drunk Tilly trying to give dating advice to to Burnham, uh, like it was just like it was like just kind of a shot of energy and like to me represented the same energy Discovery broadly brought to the franchise. So a, a less serious but but very fun scene that I'd like to go back and rewatch on uh, YouTube. <laughs> well, just talking about like Jack's clip that we just shared. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he he did mention a favorite moment too, talking about uh, Pike's uh, coming into Discovery and in. in I guess the season two opener, brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really loved that moment too. That was a, that was a, a fantastic experience. But is that he when also... he like meets the crew, the bridge crew. Yeah, is the, yeah. the first episode he was in. That's a great moment, actually. The, the way it he is. Meets him. Yeah, uh, cool. but Jack was talking about like his favorite ship. Uh, I guess being the Odyssey class. It appeared. It appeared in a Star Trek comic. Speaking of the comics, so it's gotten close to being in canon. It's a ship from Star yeah. Trek Online. Uh, mm-hmm. The the Enterprise F in the video game is is the Odyssey class, and I think who knows if people are listening to this later, and we've already had San Diego Comic Con like sure like a Picard season three teaser <laughs> trailer. Maybe we've already seen like the Enterprise F in canon or something. I don't know. Maybe this will be coming incredibly dated uh, in in less than twenty four hours. But <laughs> I, I'm kind of a ship nerd. I love I love the ships. I love like the little Eagle Moss models. When I was a kid, I built model kits of of Star Trek ships. Uh, so it might be like a fun little ship nerdy question. If anyone in the live audience wants to, to chime in, but does anyone have like any favorite ships that really stood out to you in the, the modern era of Star Trek? 
Is that is that the um, is that the Stargazer you're floating around, Starfleet boy? So yeah, uh, so my favorite is the new one, but I don't think I'll ever get a model of it till later. Uh, yeah, sadly, a Eagle sadly, Moss yeah. uh, might not exist uh, anymore. <laughs> yeah. but hope- so I do have this Stargazer, which is the original that I think Jean Luc was like its captain for like twenty years or something insane like that. I forget. Is that how actual... long he was? It's it's sometimes, a long ass time. Sometimes was, when you look at was... Star Trek timelines, you're like, he didn't think about that. Father, do you know? Or I Dave? think he started serving on it in the 2330s, and then it was destroyed in like 55 yeah. or something. But so I don't know how long he was captain. Oh, okay, okay. I, uh... Maybe it's not his. Whole... Yeah, but the, the, like... the new one is the, yeah, is the Sagan class, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. that's one of my favorites as well. Um, but since since you went with that, I'm gonna go with. Uh, <laughs> I, can I say the Luna class? Does that count? Uh, like it wasn't canonical until the modern counts. era, but like I somebody love somebody in the Titan. comments. Jay in the comments also mentioned that. Uh, what's what's the Luna class? Tell that's, me. That's the Titan. That's Riker's ship, the Titan. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I, uh, I you know it's hard to beat like Discovery itself. Like it's it's I'd a cool say, Ralph McQuarrie like, design. I I love it. like it looks so cool every time Discovery jumps. I. <sighs> I, I was like, it spins. Like, I'm like, I'm even well, too impressed. Like, you know, you know, it's like one of those. Some ships are cool because of their, you know, aesthetics or whatever. Yeah. And some every once in a while, there's some, a ship that's at least somewhat cool because of what it does. Like a mm-hmm. bird of prey is really cool because you see it fade in and fade out, and it's so cool. And Discovery has that same deal when they uh, when they uh, <laughs> hit up that black alert. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, Whoa. yeah, it's a beautiful ship. I also like more and more as like I like uh, I like Discovery's like computer becoming like a character. I've mm-hmm. a, like it's oh, like, yeah. really it's cool. like a living ship. Yeah. yeah. Look at those nacelles. They're long and sleek. Yeah. Well, the, the yeah. podcast the podcast listeners can't. Sorry, see them, yeah. But... This is this is exclusive for the uh, YouTube audience. So, hey, podcast <laughs> listeners, come and subscribe, and maybe one day you'll be able to catch a catch a cool visual when Starfleet Boy's on showing up. He's, as toy. he as he flies his Eagle Moss yeah, ship around his the little screen. toys. You broke your little ships. I actually broke one on here. I think once, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, another another ship that really stands out to me. Because I love the original Matt Jeffries Constitution class Enterprise so much, but the John Eves redesign of yeah. Strange New Worlds, I guess introduced mm-hmm. in Discovery. I, I just mm-hmm. love seeing the 1701 Connie in all of its glory. And, and I thought it was a, a very well thought out update. It, yeah. it keeps a lot of the, you know, the, the strengths of the original design and it, it looks very good. Father, I see. not. Oh, oh, go ahead. It's recognizable <laughs> as the original Enterprise, despite being like, maybe make it look a little less 60s. Yeah. To be fair, it's not like there was like uh, hippie paint on it or anything. Yeah. That's fair. You know, um, I see uh, Thomas Hill mentions, you know, you know I don't write, I don't, I'm a rare person, doesn't keep up with lower decks, but uh, but we, we should talk about probably the Cerritos. And I see he mentions the Vancouver, and since I don't watch it, yeah, tell me what's, what's yeah, the Vancouver. Yeah, that's, that's the uh, the Parliament class. Yeah, uh, but that's that, I almost mentioned the U the USS Vancouver, the, uh, the Parliament class. Also, I didn't want to I didn't want to say too too many things, so I just kept it to the Titan and the Enterprise. But yeah, that would have been number three on my list. Would have been the <laughs> Vancouver. I want to say that I I do genuinely love the Cerritos as well. I um I don't know where it is right now. I've like. I love some of the like inside details of Cerritos, like the um, like I have a whiskey glass that has the uh, the Delta with like the martini thing mm-hmm. from the bar. <laughs> I uh, saw it mentioned. I don't know where, somewhere online. I was I was trying to look up because I, I wanted to look up the Stargazer, which uh, from Picard, the new version, which I just love. That that's probably mine. Oh, 
that in mm -hmm. Discovery. Um, and they were, I saw somebody discussing Cerritos and saying that, you know, like it doesn't immediately grab you, but like, you know, it's become one of their favorite ships. And I know part of that is context. Um, so yeah, I, I liked that idea too, kind of a Trek ship that we maybe grow into a little bit. Yeah. The, the beauty of it is it looks like what would have been a random TNG era kit bash yeah. ship that would be so in the good. background <laughs> somewhere and like a, and, like at a star and base. Definitely does. And it's exaggerated just enough. Like those struts are so long, just <laughs> perfectly long enough. You know, uh, all the hero ships of all the, of all the currently running shows uh, are beautiful. Actually, now that I think about it, like mm -hmm. uh, Disco's is cool. And, and, and they've, while I think strange new worlds has done the best live action, uh, ship porn if you will forgive me for that using that term mm -hmm. for um, sure the it's been ex it's been exceptional pretty much across the board all over whether it's animated or not because protostar looks gorgeous too. i mean like it's insane like oh, you, oh man yeah, yeah i somehow forgot yeah. to mention yeah. that even though i i like yeah. so much a prodigy yeah <laughs> yeah i mean we haven't seen a ton of it yet we've we've only had five hours right. of that show but yeah right. the protostar is a very cool ship yeah. i love and I, I always wanted like a starfleet ship that was like that size like like mm. like a bird of prey to like good for like about like 20 people you know bigger mm -hmm. than a runabout but smaller than a defiant and yeah and yeah it's like that that little like scout ship type size i always wanted <laughs> i have one or two things to mention about it later on i'm sure we'll we'll at least yeah. be bringing it up i just want to say dom is in the audience and also they Yay. brought star uh starbase one or or jupiter station i think it's called as well starbase one yeah star sorry star <laughs> starbase one you echoed when you said that that was cool uh starbase one which is an epic like what a beautiful um oh, like yeah. I, I consider it probably more beautiful than earth space dock from the movies like i love starbase one it's it's amazing mm-hmm isn't it cool. also called Jupiter Station, or is that something else? Jupiter like, Station, wanna, something else. Oh, I want to call it Jupiter something because it's like <laughs> Jupiter right now. It, it well, moves around, right? Like it could go to Saturn if it wants to. I, I mean, if you <laughs> look at where it was in Discovery, it seems to have moved. I mean, Deep Space Nine moved one time, so I guess that I think kind it of was thing being, can happen. I think it was being renovated, so it moves to that location in Discovery because it didn't have the uh, the habitat pod. This is my headcanon, of course, but it didn't have the habitat pods or whatever. So they probably left those in orbit at Jupiter, moved it to get like renovated, and then they were going to move it back. But then the Klingons like they they pilfered it or something, right? They yeah, they like they yeah. they tagged it. They like graffitied it with like <laughs> they their, did their house logo. It was totally tagged. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna throw in one more, by the way, a little dark horse candidate for uh, Michelle Yeoh's uh, Shen Shenzhou. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. See, such great ships. Iconic. The Shenzhou was the first ship of the modern era because they showed us that before they showed us the Discovery. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I've always liked, uh, always loved the uh, the Reliant, and that has enough in common with the Miranda class yeah. to uh, to feel like a next gen. You know, a couple of degrees uh, of that. I gotta say the Shenzhou gave me a really cool. I, I don't. I think I may have been like thrown off by it at first, but like now I appreciate it for sure. The underbridge, like not like the bridge being under the ship instead of above the ship. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah, nice yeah. to spice that up a little bit and have yeah. have some more variety in there. Um, but I guess I guess more important than ships in Star Trek uh, are the the characters. So uh, our next submission clip that we're going to play this is from brandy jackala a uh, big star trek podcaster you can find her on 
Well, she does the Unready Room on YouTube with Dan Gunther on the Kurtrats channel, but she's also on the Boldly Go podcast that's all about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And she has her other podcast, the, the Dark Corner podcast and Head Cannon. But she's done a lot of Trek podcasting over the last few years. And you know, so here's what Brandy Jackala has to say about her favorite characters of this modern era. Hello, Brandy Jackala here. Happy 200th episode text trick. That is no small achievement. I am in awe of that accomplishment. Very well done. Um, it was difficult for me to narrow down what I wanted to talk about in the last five years of Trek because there is so much for me to love. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that I do not choose favorites lightly. So that said, here is my favorite character from each of the new Star Trek shows, starting at the beginning, Discovery. Tilly, being a ginger curvy girl with naturally curly hair who definitely has social anxiety and is super emotional, I instantly fell so hard for Tilly. Um, for the first time in my life, I felt like there was someone in Star Trek who truly represented me. I felt seen, and that is something I have never felt before in Star Trek. Uh, also, my mother's maiden name is Tilly, so I'd like to think that the potential exists in my family to be a Starfleet officer someday. Uh, never change, Tilly, and never apologize for feeling your feelings. Picard. Rios. Santiago Cabrera is a genius, so much so that it took me pretty much all of season one to really accept that all those emergency holograms on La Serena were played by the same guy. Rios himself, he's uh, kind of a reluctant hero, but when everybody's backs are against the wall, he is going to get stuff done. Spoiler alert, I am going to keenly feel his absence in season three. Lower Decks. Boimler. Bet you didn't see that coming. I think of myself more of as an amalgam of Tendi and Boimler, but if I have to make a choice, I'm really Boims at my core, because I would absolutely be doing that Borg simulation over and over and over again until I got that 100% score. Uh, I also hate getting in trouble, and I don't like breaking the rules, but like Bradward, I am learning to loosen up a bit. Prodigy. Rock talk. I just want to hug rock. Riley Elizraki's voice performance is so perfect. I'm also a huge fan of her father's, Carlos, ever since the debut of Reno 911 so many years ago. I don't even want to talk about that. Uh, rock is, ex she's just without guile. Oh, and she's so loyal, almost to a fault. Um, she is so pure of heart that it makes my heart hurt in a good way. And I would throw myself on an overloading phaser for her in a second. Enough said. And finally, Strange New Worlds. Anyone who knows me knows what I'm going to say. Oh, it's Spock, baby! I have been a Spock fan my entire life. I don't remember a time before Star Trek. It was always a part of my life, and I grew up watching it with my family. At the tender age of five, 
uh, through a traumatic episode called The Devil in the Dark, I discovered that Spock was my favorite character. And I never thought I'd feel this way about anyone else playing the part. And then along came Ethan Peck. His characterization is so spot on in so many ways and in ways I never expected. And he still makes the performance his own and not just a carbon copy of the original. And honestly, I could spend another hour just talking about Ethan Peck as Spock, but I want everyone else contributing to have their time as well. So that is all from me. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share some of my most favorite things from the last five years of Star Trek. Happy 200, and here's to 200 more. Brandy's awesome. I just recently yes. did a podcast with her. She's very cool. Yeah, thank you, Brandy, <laughs> for that. That was really great. But yeah, favorite characters of this new era of Star Trek. I, I see in our live audience, Jill47 is saying that she is Rutherford. Yeah, I mean, I guess speaking of lower decks, I, I'm I'm more of a Mariner stan. I, I'm actually I'm wearing the lower decks dress uniform with the sleeves rolled up Mariner style. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, cool. I mean, like, you know, some of my other favorites, I guess on Discovery, you know, every, everyone seems to love like Saru and Tilly. But I, I mean, there there's a lot to love with with both of them. I also really like I know he's just a recurring character, but but Admiral Vance, I, I think, has been really mm-hmm. cool. He's kind of like Absolutely. the example of. 32nd century Starfleet and all like the, the hardship that, that they've in, in, endured in, in that time period. Um, and yeah, he's a you break know, from the, he's a break from the bad morals. <laughs> yeah. It's nice I, to have like a good moral. Yeah. <laughs> that half that season of discovery convinced he was going to turn out to be evil. <laughs> a lot of people did. It's a Trek I, trope. It's a trope. I, and like, to be they fair, like, I've Bilek heard too. before. Yeah, it's crazy. And then like, <laughs> and then once I realized, okay, I think he's good. And then I was like, he's going to die. <laughs> like, and then he, when he came out alive and good, I was like, "What?" Like, <laughs> I look at that Jill out in the comments, uh, standing up for Kovich. Yeah. Kovic oh yeah, she's a big Kovich stan. Yeah, yeah. Another character I was convinced would be evil, and then wasn't. <laughs> oh yeah, it's you know, it's David non sinister Starfleet. It's David yeah. Cronenberg. It was weird for him not to be evil. <laughs> that exactly. He's just an intense person. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I do. I already mentioned Tilly and and Saru, and those those are probably my the the biggest guns. But you know, Pike is it's almost he's it's almost like everything is in his shadow because he's shaping up to be a legend, right? He's going to be yeah. a favorite captain. There's just no doubt about it already. Um, so so definitely, I want to throw some some love just just to Anson Mounts Pike. I I obviously love Pike. That's. <laughs> But uh, Tilly's actually one of my favorites because uh, as someone who is neurodivergent, I relate to Tilly a lot. Yeah, and she, they just they just dove into it with her, you know. Yeah. And and you know they they did the thing that was kind of a little bit of a flip from say the the, the side of neurodivergent that maybe was represented by um, oh, who's the guy on TNG? Barkley. Barkley, yeah. Yeah. Uh, of kind of the showing that it's also <laughs> like. The, it's a, it's, it can be charming as well. It is not a mm-hmm. – Barkley kind of tended to have more, I guess I would say, overtly negative traits uh, yeah. up front. And, and, and you know, the, the, the writers were wrestling with how to represent it. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like Tilly was a, a, a maturation of that, of that writing and the, their insights and stuff. And so yeah. that was really cool. 
I um, definitely. And I wanted, because uh, she was talking about Ethan Peck's uh, spots, there, there's one moment in the finale of Strange New World, I won't go super into it because people haven't seen that last episode, where he does an eyebrow raise and he looks just <laughs> he like looks Leonard so Nimoy. Yeah. Then I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, Love those moments. Because I, like, I loved his spots, and that, but that was like the first time I was like, holy, he looks like. <laughs> he does. Yeah, like, like, but but Spock, he, he felt like mirror? Spock. He, he already yeah. started feeling like Spock, but like that was like the, the cherry on top or whatever, the icing. Yeah. The, you know, like it was really good. Yeah. Like, I think <laughs> that moment, like he, he's always felt like his own version of Spock. That's really like at that moment, mm. I'm like, oh, these are the same exact character. Right, yeah, he was able to play Spock. And I said that to Dave when we watched that episode. I was like, I think that Ethan Peck is trying to be more Nimoy Spock intentionally yeah. here. And then mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he went on to say that that he was. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Spock was another, like, sense. he was a, a favorite character of mine, you know, growing up. And, and Ethan Peck is, has done a, a great job reinterpreting Spock for I... for Strange New Worlds. And, and he continues to be one of my favorites. Also, um, I guess, like, on, on Picard, what are do you have any favorite characters from Picard. Oh, I mean, Seven of Nine was always one of my favorites. Seven of course, of she, she still I also, is. I also love Rios. Um, I also really like mm-hmm. Agnes. I actually yeah. really liked Agnes yeah. Rios together. Yeah. I like them all, season but Season two Elnor did was. not, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. Elnor was great. Um, mm-hmm. I liked in his brief time, all too brief time on the screen, I loved seeing Hugh again. <laughs> That's, oh, I know he's supporting was, character, yeah. but... Pour one out. Let's pour one out for Hugh. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Dave, we had a subspace transmission from Braxton about uh, his favorite character of the the new Star Trek shows. If you'd like to uh, share that with us. Yeah, right on. Uh, Braxton uh, says, Disco is my favorite new Trek show and Michael Burnham is my favorite new character. I'm elated by the return of my franchise favorite character, Seven. So, um, shout outs to both Michael, Michael Burnham and Seven. Michael is a great character who I, I think often has the, a problem in a lot of shows where like people forget about the main character when they're like, hmm. I've been watching that one in forever in genre fiction, whether it's uh, Buffy or, you know, and anybody who's kind of a team leader type who yeah. kind of wears that burden, which I think is hard, somewhat hard to relate to because, you know, mm-hmm. few, few of us, I guess I'd say are natural leaders. Uh, that, that's not a I... common personality thing. And so it can be yeah. hard to, it can be hard to portray. Yeah. And, the, and... the analogy I've always used is I've never say, I've never heard anyone say that their favorite character is Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah perfect perfect example yeah i i am gonna say that burnham is my favorite discovery character though especially when she became captain like i mean i liked her i liked her scrappiness i liked mm-hmm. her like mm. i liked i just liked i think a lot of it has to do with like it's really hard because sonequa martin green i just love her so much so i was like automatically i had a built-in bias of i like your character <laughs> like i get what you're doing like i appreciate yeah. her so much as an actor so so good like but when she became captain burnham i was like chuff cheese pleased and just like so happy because yeah that's how i always wanted her to be like that's how the character not not it it feels right it's awesome yeah yeah. it it, it feels right like (laughs) season four discovery is actually my favorite season of the show and i think a big part of that is just it it just feels so natural to have her in the captain's chair Mm -hmm. yeah i agree so that's who i wrote for discovery and then I agree with a lot of people. Boimler's my boy. Boimler's great. Right. <laughs> is your Boimler? Boimler is relatable to a, to a level that I'm like, oh, should I admit this? <laughs> like... 
It's true. Uh, Linda Marks in our live audience has a list. She says, "Yay!" Of all the all the new Trek shows, Seven of Nine, Colbert, Raffi, Laris, pre crush on Picard, <laughs> Reno, and Prime Giorgio. Yeah, Prime Giorgio was cool. She was a cool captain. I, I want to either That's get a, great a book list. series. I want like a book series or a comic book series about young Burnham and young Saru on the Shinjo with Captain Giorgio. I think that'd be that'd be fun. Just give us like a little mini show. Come on, like can't we just get a mini show? I mean, three episodes. No, they're not going to do that. They're not going to they're not going to rebuild that Shinjo bridge for three hours. They have the AR wall now. They could make all the backgrounds on the AR wall. They can barely see. Let's be realistic with these things. They barely seem to be able to get Michelle Yeoh back for the show. They have to. Get the Section Thirty One show. I mean, I don't know. Maybe by the time Look, people are listening to this, uh, you know, it'll Alex Kurtzman announced that the San Diego Comic Con got Section Thirty One is starting. I got to give some flowers today that I'm putting the Section Thirty One show on, like with the Star Trek Four of like I'll believe it when I see it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Give some flowers, uh, Father, to discovery more flowers. Let's pile some more flowers on there. Like Michelle Yeoh is already a big actor, but I feel like her kind of like comeback sort of or like her her next big step is a better mm-hmm. word for it started with uh discovery with with the portrayal of uh, funny, uh wait, of... discovery saved her career is what you're saying not i wouldn't say that but it's only boosted her to a new level i think led I think. to a renaissance that would probably yes. happen anyways because michelle yeah. yo is, is amazing awesome. exactly absolutely um, I'm glad i was just trying Star to Trek twist it off yeah i was just trying to twist starfleet boys words like a villain would <laughs> <laughs> very I, uh, very well oh, done. I, do. I, I believe that uh George, emperor georgia would approve Dave. <laughs> I, I do have a friend that i basically got into star trek through discovery but uh he loves a, a villainous woman and his favorite character is mirror georgia oh she's mm. great she's she chews the scenery as they say yeah. but she's just epic i love her i love I say, so this, they, they did the this... impossible with with redeeming her i wouldn't have thought yeah. that i would have gone along I, with that but i did I was, yeah. yeah same it's like a jamie oh, yeah. lannister type thing like you talk about <laughs> game of thrones but yeah it's like uh, oh, you know when, wow, when nice you can redeem these villains it's kind of impressive yeah it's true so here's to uh, Star Trek bringing Michelle Yeoh to her next level yeah. of in her cool. career. Cool. Yeah, we basically saved her <laughs> from unfortunately, obscurity. Unfortunately, her career might be too well to come back to Star Trek right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she just had a mega hit this with everything everywhere all at once. Uh, <laughs> I want to just quick throw out a, uh, a shout out to uh, on Prodigy to, uh, to Gwyn on that show, mm. uh, who I like because I like redemption arcs and characters. And I, I always I, from the beginning, I found her the most competent. And I was like, oh, she should be running the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah Gwyn's amazing. Uh, she, she's probably my favorite on that show. And I, I kind of always gravitate towards characters that are a little like torn between two worlds. I don't I don't know if it comes from like being a kid of, of of divorced parents or like a lot of like the conflict i feel now i i grew up out in the country but like the the conflict in the united states with kind of the culture war between there's like a big divide between like rural america and urban america and uh i i, I kind of feel you know my favorite fictional character of all time is superman and he's often you know, some people say like he's an unrelatable character but i think he's very relatable a lot of his depictions have to deal with like you know his alien heritage but also like his human uprising I... being in conflict to each other like like in Star Trek, you know, Worf really embodied a lot of that. But like in mm-hmm. the new stuff, we get that with Spock. They definitely focus into 
his human side versus his Vulcan side and strange new worlds. Uh, Gwen having to deal with, you know, her father, but also like her friends and having that conflict being torn between uh, both of them. Um, so uh, Michael Burnham also uh, okay. an early discovery, you know, the, the conflict between uh, her uh, Vulcan and human side, similar, but different from how it's oh, depicted with spot. Yeah. I've, because I've spent a lot of time on the internet defending Michael Burnham for, oh, nice. for obvious All reasons. All of us, I feel like, have, yeah. maybe. <laughs> but one, because I remember having a discussion, and they said, well, she grew up in Vulcan, she cries too much, and I was like, she was a human who was taught to, like, control her emotions, which is not good for human beings, and so now she doesn't know how to, like, regulate them. Yeah, it's true. Good point. Good point. Like, also, I, I think, like, honestly, the sort of crying Burnham pushback and stuff, like, sometimes doesn't acknowledge that you know, uh, if we are trying to imagine a better future, then we should probably be imagining a future where that is not some mark of weakness. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, being vulnerable is not a bad thing. As a cry at the drop of a hat person, I appreciate that. that kind yeah, of exactly. Thing. Yeah, like, is there, like sometimes I'm watching a TV commercial and the floodgates just like start, <laughs> you know, open. It's like, it's, so it's like, I'm not, I, I, I appreciate it. And if I were in the fucking military and I were brilliant and I had like a place of captaincy, I'd cry if I saw like a, a binary star system exploding or something like that. So I think people are ridiculous uh, mm -hmm. with this bullshit of that. Mm -hmm. yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> Strike that from the record. <laughs> sure, I think we're all right. This is this is well, you know one of the things I loved about Tilly was that she got to drop Trek's first f bomb. That <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. a moment that's of true. scientific exuberance. I was like, oh, that was genius that it got to be that. Not like, oh, I'm so angry, you know, yeah. I'm cussing somebody out. I, I, like I, I, I kind of wish that Discovery had a little of that early season edge still still floating around in there sometimes i really love that scene because i like she cussed the way people actually cuss <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's, you're yeah, right sort of it is fucking cool yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and good good job to to stamets on that too and you know since tilly came up again i did want to mention one of the things i liked about her arc and what she represents is that she was a person who didn't pursue what she was originally going to pursue she changed her career path and i thought that was an interesting thing that she, her, her character arc is one of uh discovery and and reevaluation. Mm -hmm. also i love I, stamets i feel like we haven't talked about him yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, good characters to talk about it's everyone's true. favorite uh sometimes asshole and sometimes yeah. best dad ever although Although you like being like, I already love Sneak with Martin Green so much. I'm a musical theater nerd. I already loved Anthony Rapp. So <laughs> I was going to. I, yeah, appreciate, yeah. I don't know if it did it well, but I appreciate that Discovery did this thing with Stamets that once he got on microdosing with the mycelial network, he was a much better person. It took a little bit of the edge off. Yeah. yeah Man did. needed to unstress. He was <laughs> he a little uptight. He did a little bit. Like, <laughs> He actually macro dosed on the mycelial network, but that's not neither here nor there. He may have done the ayahuasca of uh, of Star Trek. <laughs> well, uh, in addition to favorite, well, well, we talked about like favorite moments, favorite characters, favorite ships. I'm curious to hear if anyone has like any favorite episodes to uh, to start off that conversation. I have a clip from julian over at strange new pod he's also at san diego comic-con at the moment but yeah i'm gonna 
share something that uh, that he gave us. So here is a clip from Julian at Strange New Pod. Fathery, just want to say a huge congratulations on 200 episodes of Text Trek. Uh, just what an accomplishment, man. Uh, can't wait to see what you guys have next coming up. Uh, truly fantastic. Congrats. Uh, a big ask to to kind of go through maybe my favorite moment, favorite anything over the, the past five years of, of new Star Trek, the the Paramount Plus era. So so many good memories so far. Um, I'm a huge Strange New World stand now. Uh, it's 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 my favorite Star Trek, but uh, I I'd still have to say that my favorite moment in the past five years still has to go to Star Trek Discovery in season three with the episode Unification Three, or if you want to call it Unification Part Three. Uh, that episode just uh, to me is is a top track episode of one time, and I'm I'm uh, sorry of all time. And I love Unifications Part 1 and 2 from TNG. Those are some of my favorite episodes. And I just, I think it's so amazing that they were able to take the story and, and, and have Michael find out what became of her brother and get, and get closure, uh, you know, to, to her relationship with Spock and see everything that he accomplished, that he, he, after hundreds of years, you know, made unification happen between the Vulcan and Romulan's people. And, and that sense of being like the proud sister and her crying and just everything else that happens in that episode because now you know the sister of spock and, and his family is once again like involved in now navarre politics and, and i think that is so interesting and uh the fact that uh you know even admiral vance kind of uses her for for those purposes um but the way how powerful she is by the end of that episode and the respect that she gains it, it is an all-time episode of trek uh, I could watch that over and over and over. And, you know, I still haven't done it. I think I will sometime watch one, two, and three back to back to back because I think they should be watched that way now. Uh, just truly fantastic. And also, speaking of fantastic, you, sir, thank you uh, for 200 episodes once again. It is a true accomplishment. Like I said, here's to the next 200. Cheers. Live long and prosper. Thank you, Julian. Uh, we are uh, glad you were able to contribute. And I see Spotted Giraffe is in our live audience. Giraffe, don't go anywhere. You're you're up next. You're the next clip we're going to show. But... Yay. And yeah, also, fav- uh, your Uhura queen, what's her name? Queen Mab? Uh, cosplay was amazing. If I think. Is oh, that, I haven't seen who... pictures of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty oh, cool. I and... need to find that. And Father, my favorite character of Changing Worlds, I chose Uhura for this season. Oh. Okay. By the way, what I liked about that clip is uh, his his comments from Julian uh, tied together the, the different eras of Trek. He you know he was mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, looking at a show that specifically built on TNG and uh, you know brought it you know uh, that it's that shared universe thing, right? It's yeah, it's what Marvel fans are are getting now, but but like Star Trek people have been uh, enjoying for for even longer. <laughs> yeah, it's the beauty of the big, you know, 56-year tapestry. I, I love mm-hmm. when when Star Trek uses that to its advantage. And, you know, sometimes writers complain about it being, you know, difficult to tell stories like that. And, I, and I'm sure it is, but it, it, it's also very advantageous. And as fans, you know, a lot of that, uh, we, we, seeing that, that connected shared universe has like a big payoff to us as, as the audience, I think. I think of moments that made us cry, like watching Michael Burnham get to watch like Leonard Nimoy Spock. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I like it never in my wildest dreams when Discovery had come out that I think that was going to happen. So I like was really emotional. 
I was so hyped for uh, Unification 3. <laughs> yeah, I remember you were like, you were saying this is going to be the best episode. Before we even knew anything about it, you're like, this is going to be the best episode of the season. I, I rarely do that, but and, it, and I hold to that. It's 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 so good. <laughs> but Navarre is cool. I think I like, think a lot of yeah. people are like right. out of exploring the 32nd century and seeing where the Star Trek universe has evolved to. Like seeing Navarre, I think that's probably been one of the coolest things ever. Yeah. I, I have to say it's neat that it's it's interesting like it just looking at star trek for, like if you factor in the kelvin timeline it's neat that vulcan transforms or is changed in each of these like timelines somehow mm -hmm. uh, and so it's cool that vulcan becomes navarre in the quote-unquote prime timeline so it, it actually in a way vulcan is gone it's navarre now like so it's a weird mm -hmm. it's a weird cool similar vibe and i love that history plays out in similar ways uh in the different star trek timelines if you will in the multiverse <laughs> if you will <laughs> it's very cool well, what was some of y'all's favorite episodes of, of the last five years a unification three was julian's uh because I, I was thinking about this before and uh one i have i always i'm terrible at remembering episode titles <laughs> uh through the uh through the valley of shadows which is the pike right uh, where he gets the time crystal vision yeah, yeah. I, um, because I love that it changed what Pike's destiny was a little bit, not in that obviously it's still like the same like timeline wise, but that it made it like a choice he was making, not a like that was amazing. Yeah, not just like a oh, I'm a Starfleet captain, so I did the right thing in the moment. I didn't think about it. I was like, nope, he knows his life is going to be more difficult in the future and he chooses it because he knows it's the right thing to do. It even sheds light on, you know how Pike is like reluctant. He's like telling Spock no in uh, in the menagerie. Like he's like, no, Spock, don't do like Pike mm -hmm. seems, which is brilliant, by the way, that beeping conveys this. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's it's astonishing that like they were able to uh, that's uh, again, a shout out to TOS. But like the fact mm -hmm. that a beeping character like was able to like express so much. Um, but it but it changes that too. Like you can kind of see a little bit yeah. of Anson Mount now in that performance. It's like it's the cool. same. Um, one of the things is like that way, and it like affects how I watch a bunch of other Star Trek because anytime yeah. now anyone mentions having a like a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, I'm like hell yeah, the Medal yeah. of Valor is named after him. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really cool. And also like yeah. uh, Pike City being a thing where uh, Cisco uh, uh, Cisco's girlfriend. Um, Cassidy Yates, Cassidy. who Dave is getting to know now, watching DS9 for the first time. Uh, she's from Pike City. So yeah. that, that's cool that yeah, his legacy City lives on. True. That that does have more like, meaning. My now. favorite Strange New World episode is completely different at that it's the Elysian Kingdom. I that's love my favorite. I love a silly like holodeck, like weird shit's happening episode. And I'm like, yeah, silly costumes, yeah. let's go. Yeah, that uh, audaciousness <laughs> that that Star Trek always had from the be yeah. beginning, right? Like, like the original series would do episodes of like, let's go uh, to a, a Nazi planet or a cowboy planet yeah. or a Roman gladiator planet. You know, like it's very audacious. I was like, and back the days okay. where it was clear they just had the had a random part of the lot for a week, so they were like, <laughs> right. yes, this is a new planet. Hey, look, we got <laughs> we got some wardrobe from the uh, the sword and sorcery movie. They're shooting next door. <laughs> okay, cool. And the crew got to chew it up in that one. The cast, I should yeah. say, got to just have the, yeah. it looked like the the most fun, you know, getting dressed up and, and just I... be playing against type sometimes. Oh my god. Well, I know there's already some 
but I I cannot wait to see like the cosplays from that. Especially all the cosplays yeah. I want to make from that, I do not have the ability to make. So. <laughs> They're very elaborate. It's, That's it's, it elaborate. is elaborate stuff. If yes. anyone knows where I can buy an ins- insanely sparkly ball gown. <laughs> like, <laughs> we saw that gown in person. Uh, Soho and I did oh. in, in Chicago. It is huge. It was gigantic. It looks huge. I would say if I made it, it would not be that big. Because <laughs> if I would wear it to a convention, that would be like cumbersome. <laughs> like, I've said I've said this ad nauseum, but Strange New World season one is like I pretty much consider it a perfect season of Star Trek. But mm-hmm. to me, the best of the modern era, the best episode, and I know it's recency bias, but it's, it's the Stargazer. No, it's the Quality of Mercy. It oh, so I thought you were gonna say good. Stargazer from the no, season. No, it's the Quality of Mercy. It is so it good. Is I've so watched good. it more than any episode of modern era Star Trek. Sorry, quick remind me that the the, 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 the finale, the finale, the finale. Of okay, Stranger yes. Worlds. I've watched it so much and I enjoy yeah. it every time. The the, the 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 all the beats hit so that perfectly so every good. time. It's so good. And it's I just, want yeah. yeah, I was like avoiding talking about it more earlier because I <laughs> I like kind of watched it late because I was extremely busy. My parents are like my parents were in town and um but um Paul uh, Paul Wesley was really good. I was yeah, gonna say that. Yeah, like he's, he's like not my favorite Kirk, but he did a great job. Like yeah. I love, well yeah. well about that I, I don't want to like invalidate anything Rachel said. Like I, mm-hmm. I think that's cool if you like his performance, but I just want to point out that Paul Wesley and the showrunners have both said that he's playing Kirk very different in that episode yeah. than how he oh, yeah. play him in season two. And I appreciated that. Because that's it's what like I liked a slightly it. different timeline in the yeah. same yeah, in the right, same way, right. like Chris Pine isn't quite the same Kirk. Right. So right, I'm right. curious now to see what he will be doing in season two. But where he will be a younger Kirk. So yeah, that that makes me a uh, uh, kind of excited to you know see what what he's going to be doing i think i guess like the majority of the time he's on camera is kirk this is going to be kind of the exception to the rule it sounds like con he was there with william shatner like posing for pictures and stuff it was pretty cool to see i wasn't i like that i don't know the kirk thing yeah my my interactions with william shatner uh, online are not always positive so i was pleased with fathery fathery hasn't had good ones either (laughs) i've I've had wonderful interactions with him online it's like in person he's been an asshole to me um uh, he blocked me on Twitter, so. Oh no. Um, but I I was pleased to see that he was like taking like Paul Wesley under yeah. his wing. Yeah, giving uh, the endorsement, if you will. Yeah, right? that's yeah, cool. Like that's 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 a that's a classy move. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what what about some other favorite episodes? Perhaps, but, yeah. no. Just just um, like rapid fire. I'm just gonna spit some out. Okay. Uh, magics <laughs> to make the the sanest man go mad in disco mm-hmm. season one. Uh, if memory serves, and we got to see the Telosians on Talos Four again, ah, that was great. Wage douge the three ships episode of of Star Trek Lower Decks and Crisis Point on Lower Decks. Uh, time amok on Star Trek Prodigy when when Rock Talk was left all alone for for way I too long. I have the problem where I, I that was one of the ones I wanted to mention. I'm thinking of two episodes and I can't remember either of the titles. <laughs> um the the movie episode of lower decks crisis oh, point. crisis point yeah okay that is that's a great that's one so good it's yeah. so good i i was watching it with a friend though and it was like one of those where i love lower decks try to show it to a non-star trek fan you're, you're explaining like <laughs> jokes every five seconds um but they're just <laughs> like alarm. yeah i was just sort of like why is like they take why are they looking at the ship like that and i was like i need to show you a movie real quick <laughs> <laughs> um but i also i loved the like uh kobarashi maru episode of uh prodigy, prodigy yeah, that yeah. Was yeah. yeah and those cameos Shout out to Aaron Walkie. those cameos i was not expecting 
That's right. That's yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Audio re re edits. Yeah. Oh, and their their mid season finale, a, a moral star parts yes. one and two, mm-hmm. where they they had like their first like big fight against the diviner and they win. That, that was Zero. a victory felt so well earned. Yeah. Zero won my favorite character slot because of that episode. I loved that moment. Yes, I get to see a Medusa do something cool. Yeah, it was really epic. And he was just so gentle and calm the whole time, so it was very jarring, but in a good way. Like, you know, it was like, you know, it was just like, this is like, it was They were so gentle and calm. Yeah, they, sorry. (laughs) Yes, correct. (laughs) Father, did you finish your episode list? Yeah, yeah, what do you got? Uh, The only, you know, most of the ones I've, 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 was going to mention have been covered, but I wanted to throw a shout out to, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Spock Amok in, in strange new worlds, mm-hmm. uh, not just for being funny, but for how it seamlessly wove together an A, B and C plot. All of, uh, every one of which was in some way about perceiving something through someone else's eyes. I thought that was just, just very clever and ingenious plotting and structuring. And, you know, it had me like, you know, it, it built on the Spock into Pring's relationship. It showed why, Pike is such a great negotiator <laughs> and all that. Um, and then uh, this is this is kind of an odd one, but the, I think it was the second episode of Star Trek Discovery season three. It was the one where they it was, it focused on the Discovery crew on that sort of icy. Where was that filmed? Um, oh, uh, Greenland. Greenland, yeah. Oh, like, that was beautiful. That's yeah. Beautiful. It's Saru and Tilly versus like the space pirate guys in the <laughs> saloon yeah, yeah. and all that. That was good. Um, yeah, yeah, I really like that. Is that Iceland? Might have been Iceland. I think it was Iceland okay. Father. We yeah. mentioned yeah. this earlier. Uh, Brother is actually one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. I Brother might is like of New Trek might be my most rewatched because when it came first came out, I just kept rewatching it, and then we show it to a friend like, "Look at Pike." Like, <laughs> you guys have already named all my favorites, but Nepenthe and Farewell, I'm going to throw in there from Picard. Oh well, well speaking of uh, Nepenthe, <laughs> uh, we have a subspace transmission from our patron. Joanne Robertson. Uh, Dave, if you want to read the tweet that Joanne sent us about the episode Nepenthe. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Joanne said Nepenthe was my favorite episode of Picard because it was a reunion of friends picking up where they left off. But I think Wage Dooge, is that how you, how do you say that? Yeah, it's, it's Klingon for three ships. Wage right. Dooge. Uh, is one of my favorite episodes of the franchise to date. Uh, Michael and Book are my favorite characters because Black Love is beautiful. And uh, yeah, absolutely behind that. <laughs> yeah, same here. I would say as someone who like, um, uh, re- like most of what I read is romance. Michael and Book are like one of the best like ships of Star Trek, like ships and not in the thing they're on <laughs> relationship. It's so confusing to talk about like that kind of shipping in Star Trek. They're like their love story is done so well in a way that Star Trek love stories often aren't. <laughs> They have great yeah. chemistry. I was yeah. shocked when I I learned that they they never did a chemistry test when they were casting book. Yeah. They just yeah just uh, David Ajala and and Sneakle Martin Green just they just brought that on set when they when they first worked together and I was like wow that That's is so... really incredible. <laughs> Father, real I find quick, that pl- so oh, go ahead, good, especially because I I don't dislike Ash as a character. I don't think he was a very good love interest though. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't think they had amazing chemistry. It's hard to measure up compared to the yeah, burn on dynamic. It is. I think I was fine about him in Love Interest, but I was like, oh, no, this is what was missing. Like, Father, shout out to PJ at Boatwreck. <laughs> uh, he did a video. I was He and I gave our top 10 episodes of Star Trek uh, on there, too. 
Oh, cool. Where yeah, could that be found? That Where could that be found, Starfleet Boy? That's, that's on, on uh, Boatwreck's Boat channel. Yeah, Boatwreck's right channel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we heard from Julian over at Strange New Pod. We also got a submission from Giraffe at Strange New Pod, who's in our audience right now. So we're going to go ahead and share the, the clip from Giraffe. Hi, I'm Giraffe from Strange New Pod. First of all, thank you for asking my opinion on what these last five years of track have given me uh, so much, so much new friends, podcasts, conventions. Uh, but I have to say that I stayed very long between having Uhura back on TV, which is, I think for me, you know, my ultimate dream of Star Trek. But I think I'm going to go with the captains. Uh, these last five years, uh, Star Trek has given me the characters I always wanted to see on TV. Two black women, Captain Michael Burnham and Carol Freeman. And for me, I think that this was the best moment in these last five years when Michael Burnham sat on the chair and said, let's fly. I cried, I cheered. It's so important for a Trekkie like me that has been a Trekkie for so long <laughs> to finally see myself uh, in the captain chair. So yeah, that's what I'm gonna choose. Uh, even if, you know, deep down in my heart, it's having all of you as friends and I cannot wait to see you again in the next convention. See you. There's like so much love in this room. I was gonna say Giraffe's <laughs> awesome. We met her at uh, at um, Star Trek Chicago. Yeah, right yeah, on. she's uh, really cool. She has that cool Romulan commander cosplay. She loves Romulans, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I I hope to see her soon at Star Trek Las Vegas. Yeah, and I hope and she's having fun now at San Diego Comic Con. Oh man, I'm gonna have so much FOMO. I wish I I wish I booked <laughs> Vegas. Um, nice. but uh, I just want to say that I had this, that reminded me I had a similar moment. Uh, as giraffe with mr sahil i think he's like the first like prominent uh daisy or indian pakistani you know type mm -hmm. of character. i wanted more of him he was yeah, so cool me too. and so i felt really like cool and, and it's so close to my actual name so hail you know it's like sahil and sahil. so i was like what yeah <laughs> it's like off by one letter <laughs> yeah it's like he was the guy cool. who like kept the torch get burning yeah right? he kept the torch burning so mr sahil's yeah, cool he's like super super cool and i was like dang like i got i got a commission from that, michael burnham like it was cool that, <laughs> i can't believe we forgot to talk because that moment is so good it's like, super good yeah <laughs> that that did make me cry i'll admit it yep I wanted them to come back as I don't know where it was suggested, but like as like the communications, you know, guy who was like reaching out to you know as the as right. as the they expanded the galaxies or you know Starfleet's. Um, I'd love for him to reach. be like a maybe the like the chief diplomat of Starfleet or something like that. You know, like yeah. an ambassador like rather. Like yeah, like I'm, a they head should bring him back. Or like yeah, that. I'm cool. hoping I. I have an assumption about start, uh, about Strange New World season four. If it was, they probably had less guest stars because, like, of the conditions We're of filming. D Discovery season four. Yeah, Discovery season four. Sorry. Right, right, right. Uh, because there was like some characters from like bring them back, and I'm like, do it. And I was like, do they yes. not live in Canada? Is this the problem? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't live near Toronto. And the actor's yeah. awesome. Adil, I think his name is Adil Hussein, and mm -hmm. he's 
He's super cool, very engaged with yeah. like the fans and the community, and he's like super he is nice. really like yeah. I was saying he's super he cool. is really sweet. He was the first like guest we had on um on Disco Tech. Right, yeah, I remember oh, that. Yeah. Right on. Very That's awesome. So cool. And yeah, we were just amazing. like, he agreed to come on our podcast and like no one else had. So. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, That's I gotta cool. go. I didn't, yeah. that. I didn't know that one. That's cool. I'm gonna go Keeping the it. flame aloft. Yeah. Yes. Well, on on that subject, uh, you know, thank thank you for sharing that with us starfleet boy but uh ha- has anyone else you know felt represented by any of the characters in modern star trek i don't, I don't know if me and dave uh sh- <laughs> should uh be given too much uh spotlight answering us as, as well, the two like uh straight cishet white dudes but uh, i mean i talked about this a little before but t- i uh tilly in a lot of ways one my hair is not the same type of texture as tilly but it is curly and usually in most mm-hmm. modern media, uh, women with curly hair just straighten it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and also, like, I have ADHD, and I what I've had canon Tilly is, is having, like, ADHD in the way it normally presents in, like, female-presenting people, and not, um, and it's, it's pretty rare to have fairly positive representation of ADHD. I would say most representation of ADHD is people abusing, like, the drugs for it. So, um, it was like amazing to see, and then like her being neurodivergent, and sometimes like that being like what made her useful, and not just being like something that was like bad about her. What was it, Saru said? You're a very good first impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, loved it. It it was cool. She's also a character that like challenged everyone, which was really neat. Um, because yeah. I remember being like really intrigued by the debate of like um saru uh saru promoting her to first officer like it created like a whole like a whole Mm -hmm. discussion online and there were some you know obviously there's like ugly parts of it but i thought it was very interesting like personally i was like very curious about it because it was like a very odd thing ultimately all the military experts told me this is totally within line of like a captain's prerogative and and so i was like oh that's great like but yeah but it was interesting right like because it was a cool it, it created a cool conversation which was really neat yeah and she and ended I, up being a great we, first officer mind you by the way yeah. like she ended up being awesome <laughs> so i think the body cool diversity too. angle too a lot of people a yeah. lot of people attribute uh tilly to uh, mm-hmm. uh representing a, a thicker body types than your know, typical like skinny tv actress type body mm-hmm. so Right. Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds, not to knock it or anything, but it is some reedy thin people on, on, on a lot of that show. It is. <laughs> That's... Duke was a Duke was a big boy. It's definitely a little more unusual. <laughs> he, didn't, uh, yeah. he didn't fare too well, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Tilly, it took me a Tilly second to remember who he was. Brought back so... you in this like really crazy mycelial journey, like mm-hmm. which was nuts. Like that was a cool episode too, because then they drill something into her head, and it was like done in a really clever, mm-hmm. crazy way with uh with a uh, David Bowie. Uh, ground control to Major oh, Tom or something scene. like that. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. I, I thought Discovery was so bold. It's the closest we got to a musical episode of Star Trek. Like, I got a hint of what it might be like, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. It needs to I, happen. It does. It totally I, needs to happen. I joked about uh, uh, Dave and I not, not needing representation as much as the uh, the cishet white dudes, but I, I do think that like a character like Captain Pike, he probably is like a good role model or someone to um mm-hmm. aspire to be as far as like you know being like a good ally and stuff like that uh yeah 
Pike feels like basically he feels like an old school guy who who with decent progressive values who's who who did the work of like keeping up with things. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a good example of non-toxic masculinity, I think. Yeah, that absolutely. He's like a great example of it. And not to, not to keep I I've, I know I've harped on Saru a fair amount, but you know, like I I don't always look for you know I'll, I'll identify with a character in in aspects and not not every aspect. I, I identify somewhat with Tilly in certain ways, it, like the way that she, uh, you know, her trying to figure her her life path out. Uh, and with Saru, uh, I like that this is a guy who kind of went from a place of timidity. Uh, you know, of, you know, being the prey species is the way the Star Trek portrays it in their larger than life way uh, to being, an, a, you know, a captain who can assert himself and yet still be, you know, like bring 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 the same values that he had before. You know, he kind of became more assertive of being able to uh, find the best in others and surround himself with the best people and bring out their qualities, bring out the best in Tilly. That's something that like. Yeah, I kind of identify with that. Not every single bit of Saru, but that's that's a part of him that I really like, and mm. you know, felt it, felt seen on that level. Right on. And I guess like another character that I, I connect to uh, would be Beckett Mariner on Lower Decks because I really like that. I really like the way that that Lower Decks has focused on the idea of like you know, it's not always like the people at the top that have exclusively all the good ideas that it kind of it kind of takes everybody that you know people on the bottom of the totem pole have a lot to contribute sometimes they're the ones that are going to have the answer which star trek has always had that to some degree you know a lot of times like the admiral is wrong and the captain is right this is kind of like shifting that that scale a little lower to even like lower decks but uh i i connect to like a character who you know is is pretty confident and and is aware of like the strengths that they have but often kind of feels yeah, it's kind of like BS having to like navigate the the systems and the structures and stuff we have in order to be in the position where you can you can be the most effective and, and contribute and stuff. And just having to having to not only like like learn how to function in, in those roles, but also, you know, getting those people that are in charge, you know, getting their attention and being like, no, like you actually need to adjust down to, to where I'm at and, and you need to be the one to help putting an effort to connect with me as much as I'm having to connect with, with you. And I think, I think that's kind of like the most important thing of, of that show, you know, all like the silly jokes and stuff are good, but I, I kind of like that being at the the heart of it. Well, you know, I, I feel like that's a character sort of a personality type and that we don't see too often in Star Trek as many positive things as it has. There's not too many people that are kind of outspoken to the level that, that she is. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of a cool thing to see. We got a clip submitted to us from the wonderful YouTuber Jesse Jinder, who also speaks a little bit about representation in Star Trek and seeing herself and also talks about uh, the Star Trek fandom and kind of the community as a whole. So I'm going to go ahead and share this clip from Jesse Jinder. This is Jesse Gender. Sorry I'm not appearing on camera. Normally I'd be a weirdo dork with my face for all of you, but I'm still recovering from a recent surgery, so you're just getting the sexy, sexy audio waveforms. But regardless, um, thank you, Father E, for asking me to contribute to this. And I was sort of sitting here and trying to think of my favorite moment from the past five years of Star Trek. And honestly, there has been so much that I've adored. Uh, I mean, just the fact that we've gotten 
LGBTQ characters prominently and forefronted in Star Trek, especially trans and non-binary characters, something that means so, so much to me to see my favorite franchise doing, and just the fact that this franchise is putting queer representation forward has just meant so much to me. The amount of Star Trek that we're getting, I mean, as someone who grew up in the dark ages of Star Trek, I literally got into Trek right at the end of Star Trek Enterprise, I'm like, now I'm inundated with so much, and it feels so wonderful and amazing, and it's just brought back this reaffirmment in my life of just this hope for infinite diversity and infinite combinations, the hope for the future, and I, it's something that I think we've desperately needed. I've also had shows like Star Trek Lower Decks, which is just my particular weird little niche of Star Trek. It's a show that I never thought would get made, but now that I've seen it, I'm like, this is the Star Trek show for me. It's just the complete nerdy Trekkie show, and it's got like such amazing characters and storylines and, 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 and Tendi. Of all of them, I just adore her with all of my heart. She's just my complete and utter, like, just favorite character in modern Star Trek by far, and quite possibly in all of Star Trek in general. Uh, and I just love her sweet, earnest, just hope and optimism and happiness. And then just also the fact that there are just so many people behind the scenes of Star Trek that I've gotten the chance, I've uh, been lucky enough to meet a bunch of them. But even if I hadn't, it's just been so nice to know that the people behind the scenes of Star Trek are also doing the work of trying to fight for a better future and, and try to be positive people. Um, I won't name names of people that I've met. I've met them at conventions and things like that, but they, they are all just truly heartwarming and amazing people and I just love that my favorite franchise is amazing both behind and in front of the screen. But you asked for one specific thing and I know I just rambled a whole bunch at you but if I had to pick one thing that meant the most to me of the past five years of Star Trek it is the community of people that I've had the honor to meet. Not just the people behind the scenes but just the beautiful amazing people who I've gotten to surround myself with because of our shared love of Star Trek. It's quite obvious that I have a hyper fixation on Star Trek, but I've had that since I was a little kid, but I never really had anyone to share it with. And I was often even kind of bullied and made fun of for my love of Star Trek. And it's just been so meaningful in my adulthood to find people that really love this thing as much as I do, and who also share that desire and curiosity and earnest just delight in people and the world and the universe and just want to make it better. Folks like yourself, Fathery, or just the people that I met at conventions or on Twitter or that I talked to with my videos and in the comment sections, like every single one of those I cherish with all of my heart. And there's one moment that just epitomized that for me, which was at the end of the Star Trek Mission Chicago convention of this year, uh, 2022, if you're listening to this, in the future, future, future. Um, at the end of the convention, you know, I had met all these people. It was an amazing weekend. It was so great. I was overwhelmed. And then I was asked to go to the bar with a couple people afterwards. And I was just going to show up for 20 minutes. I was so exhausted. I was just going to say hi and say goodbye. And then that would sort of be the end of the trip. But I went to the bar and there were just so many people there that I had met. And I just talked with them for a long time. And it was such a wonderful, amazing conversation. We just kept talking and talking. And as the evening went on, People that I had met throughout the week just stopped by the table and said hi, and I got to give them a hug. I even cried a few times. We got some beers, and it was just nice to see people slip in and out who I had seen on Twitter and other places, comment sections, who now I knew in real life. And it was just that moment where I just realized how lucky I am to be a part of this community. And I was there for hours. I was there for many hours longer than I expected. I was dead tired, but it was worth every second of it. And this community is worth everything that it has given me. I, I just adore it so much. So 
all of that is why I love Star Trek and why this modern era of Star Trek has meant so much to me. And to wrap out, congratulations, Fathery, for making it to 200 and to also just being a wonderful, amazing part of this community. You epitomize everything that I just said. So my love to you and thank you so much. Well, thank you, Jesse. That was uh, that was very kind of you to say. Wow. Yeah. I feel like you oversold me a little bit there, but nah. uh... <laughs> also we uh, we got to meet Jesse and hang out with uh, uh, her at uh, Mission Chicago. It was awesome. Yeah, she's a she's very great. very nice person, very sweet person. That was that was so fun. I was like standing in line to get into the convention, and she saw me before <laughs> I saw her, and like I see like this, it's like this person like waving out of the corner of my eye. I turn like it's Jesse Gender jumping up and down, waving at me to get my <laughs> attention. Uh, but uh, she also just want to give a quick shout out she just had her i believe it's called a facial feminization surgery procedure done and uh, she said that's like the final step in her transition if Uh if i'm remembering Mm -hmm. correctly and yeah she's about to have a video on her channel uh, coming up in a few days you know revealing her her face post recovery from surgery so uh that is uh really really cool and i encourage people to go if you're not checking out jesse gender you should because she makes very good star trek content and also just uh she's educated me about so much stuff that i i I just get so much good information very 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 thoughtful well edited just just really good Mm -hmm. content so please uh, check out her youtube channel it's it's been cool i've been following jesse for a long time and uh and in a way her channel uh, i don't know if everyone has the time to do this but like her channel is a documentation of a of a person transitioning so it's pretty cool to see Mm. to see how she's how far she's come she's right yeah over the years yeah yeah that's a good point yeah uh, yeah, but she talked amazing. about you know them having the little more gender fluidity and stuff in mm-hmm. in Star Trek recently and the representation there and uh, but before we get into like the stuff about like the Star Trek community, uh, Dave, just just one last note on I guess the representation aspect. We did have a subspace transmission from Little Miss Mabel on Twitter. If you want to read that to everyone, yeah, yeah, this this fits in nicely with what uh, Jesse was talking about. So. Mabel writes, uh, Seven has always represented layered and conflicting identities. Star Trek Picard finally acknowledging her queerness has meant so much to so many. Uh, The representation and intersectionality of her relationship with Raffi is so important for Star Trek and fans. So... And that was that was, by the way, but my one of my favorite things about Picard was uh, was in season two, uh, getting to see you know, we, we talked about this when we were watching it. It's, it's like they sort of fast forwarded to a point where they were sort of their relationship was a little on the rocks uh, or, you know, at, at least a little distant. But like that sense of of connectiveness, you know, and, and shared history was already I thought was really coming through in those characters. Mm-hmm. And I loved mm-hmm. I loved their banter and their trip, <laughs> you know, their like road trip stuff in the in the episodes. So, yeah, hey. another good example of the actors having really great chemistry. Yeah, no, they did a great job of doing like a familiarity that I honestly, I was like, mm. I don't assume those actors have yeah. quite that level of familiarity in real life. Especially because I assume they probably during season two weren't able to like just hang out on set together. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah, COVID protocols when they shot all of that. Yeah, I'm I'm consistently impressed. You know, I'll watch the behind the scenes stuff and I'll see actors and masked up and following protocol best they can. Mm-hmm. 
and and crew and everybody. And and I know it's tough. So I, I you know extra special shout out to everybody working on all of these tracks I, in the in the pandemic. Yeah. I, all sure. I could look, I was like, that does not look like an easy job. <laughs> like. And Star Trek basically gave us like forty some odd weeks consecutive of Star Trek. It's like I, an amazing. We had we had forty eight weeks. Yeah. If you don't count that, there is a one week gap in there between. Lower Decks season two and the premiere of Prodigy. There is like one week of no Trek in October of 2021. That was when Dune came out. So it was convenient. It gave me a weekend off to go see Dune. But uh, yeah, over that 48 week span, we had 47 weeks of Star Trek and it would have been 53 episodes total because there were some overlaps. But yeah, yeah. Within, within 48 weeks, we got 53 episodes of Star Trek. That know, has never happened nuts. before. That's great. Yeah, I know. It's funny when they would like overlap i'm like what do i watch first (laughs) (laughs) yeah what a what a what a great uh place to be to have the uh uh, lady or the the, what is it the old cliche the lady or the tiger uh choice and uh both are good choices the lady or the problems i want to have yeah is it it called an embarrassment of riches or something yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, despite (laughs) having been a star trek fan for about a decade when discovery came out discovery was the first show i watched live because oh cool i guess i when i started becoming a fan i was like catching tng on like spike i think but mm. um i lived overseas so enterprise wasn't airing there right yeah because upn was very limited yeah right. but like like jesse was saying jesse got into star trek as a as a kid you know right as nemesis had just come out and enterprise yeah. was on the air and then got canceled and then there was like nothing new which mm-hmm. seems like such a weird time, you know, to enter the <laughs> fandom. But I know that's basically what I was like. For me, Star Trek was yeah. something I loved, but I like a past thing that I loved, and I was like, "They're new, like <laughs> <laughs> that's different." Yeah, that's something really neat. Is there's so many entry points into Star Trek, if you will, mm-hmm. and it's so cool when you when when you're not one of these like gatekeepery type of people. Like yes. it's so cool to discover people's entry point stories and like how they're like how yeah. their love of star trek began yeah. i love hearing stuff like i mean that. it's so cool what's fun <laughs> is i've been able to get so many more friends into star trek because of the newer stuff because mm-hmm. as much as i love the older stuff some of it some of the like effects haven't aged that well and i'm like here look at the cool effects now plot twist i'm gonna show you tng now and you're gonna love it <laughs> right right but yeah it's easier to sometimes backtrack if you if you kind of know that there's going to be something that's going to speak to you yeah um, and you, and, know, and, you know be a little more contemporary yeah. and, I, and that, um... I feel like that's happened to everyone at some point in some kind of epic story or whatever like the new version of lord of the rings like a, a mm-hmm. cool new book cover you know like mm. like there's different like or the yeah. movies the movies yeah or the yeah. movies yeah like not yet, but just in. in general outside of star trek there's like a common thing like everyone kind of needs a hook you know like mm-hmm. to, that's part of the beauty of of just having like new content being produced because i I can tell you like you know going to like conventions and stuff or like dealing with with other star trek fans like the fandom was getting old um Mm -hmm. you know like it was like i I remember like this is the 50th anniversary 2016 i resemble Uh, that remark yeah like (laughs) but like okay like I, i remember being 30 years old and being like, man, like I'm 30, but I'm like the baby in this fandom. Like all these people are like <laughs> I, older than me. I and now there's so much fresh young blood. Brought in. Literally. Um, well, there was a weird mystery in false mansplaining, but I was in a car with a married couple and my friend, it was more friends with like my friend. And some of Star Trek came up 
And he said, well, no true Star Trek fan likes a 2009 Star Trek, which was like, one, is not true. And two, and I was like, oh, I kind of enjoy that. And then he kind of made this, well, of like a real Star Trek, which is hilarious because my best friend was in the other seat and just laughed at him. But I was just like, I don't, not all of the like Star Trek fans are your age. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry. Yeah, there's no nice way to say that sometimes. Yeah, just, yeah. Sometimes just, just is. Say it, yeah. <laughs> I say this is the oldest person in this podcast. I think I'm yeah. older than you. No, you're not. Oh, wow. Okay. I know both y'all's ages. I'm not okay, going to say right, them. Right. Uh, but I think no, I'm the I, I will gladly oh, be I'm your not... number one then, Captain. <laughs> I, will say, I think I'm the youngest. But you're the youngest. People often think I'm younger than I am. So I'm probably not quite as young as everyone thinks. <laughs> there was a meme going around recently, and I forget exactly how it went, but the gist of it was that all entry points for Star Trek are equally bad. <laughs> and they're like, so you should just accept that you're going to come in and you're going to be confused and embrace the fun I, and the chaos. I and say, and I, I like that meme. <laughs> I really I like that say, too, Dave. That's cool. I have a list of TNG episodes, which is one of my favorite Star Treks, of list of episodes to give. I give my friends of, of episodes to skip. I'm creating a gate right now. If you come in to Star Trek like with an episode like Sub Rosa, you're hardcore. And you kept going. Like that's like a hardcore is, fan. I've heard <laughs> that from, like me loving the Royale. I I, I just I it's think such a, it's... one of the first episodes of TNG I ever saw. And I'm like mm. now like that is an insane episode too. Like been like I'm in. Yeah. Like, but but like it's just yeah, sometimes you you pick up on what's interesting about it, even if yeah. you have to wade through some stuff. Is by the way, is Code of Honor on your on your list? Uh, that's, a, list... that's a skip. That's got to uh, be a yes. skip. Yes, that yeah. is, I believe that is the it's first just, episode. Just check. It's it. a dubious episode because I think it. I like. I did a panel discussion about this, and we think it deserves to stay as a lesson, like as a dis, like as a, a lesson. Well, yeah, like, like I don't. No one wants to like, like delete these. No, like, some, they should yeah. be erased. I think it's a good argument though. Like some things should. Yeah. You know, no, but I, I at the same yeah, don't don't be like Disney and just like like try to erase <laughs> history. You know, yeah, like say, well, because I think from what I've read about the history of that episode, it seems like they were like originally was like yeah, they're going to be aliens, and then the casting went wrong, and you're like, oh, yeah. and, and what cast members hate yeah, hate it's the episode bad. vehemently. Like, like like I think Jonathan Frakes, I can quote, I can sort of remember saying something like he was on the delete camp. Yeah. I am going to propose a reshoot. Like I think Jonathan. Well, they're not. They're, re, like, no studio executive it. is ever going to give you money to reshoot one of the I worst episodes say, of Star Trek. Ever. Um, there was a like a while that for some reason, you know how like Netflix will like show one clip of a show. For some reason, the TNG clip was from Code of Honor, and I was like, no. <laughs> there are interesting things. Uh, I I don't want to like go, go ad nauseum about this, but. But if you want to yeah, go we're check supposed out to be talking panel. about like the good yeah. things and yeah, like yeah, modern yeah. Star Trek, not the bad things in old Star Trek. <laughs> it's true. But it, but but it does exemplify that like there's there's rough rough patches yeah. and yet so many people end up finding something in in Trek mm -hmm. even if maybe you come in a little awkwardly sometimes. <laughs> uh Dave, we had a message sent to us from our friend Robbie who yeah. uh, helps out text right track on. on the our Facebook page. He, <laughs> he, did, he did share uh, some information with us. So, so Dave, if you want to go ahead and read what we got from, from Robbie, people can follow him on Twitter at Earl Gray Trekkie. But uh, what did he have to say, Dave? 
He says, I want to say, as tiring as it may be, that Star Trek entertained me during a lonely time in my life and at a time while I was still molding as a person. Its ideals of diplomacy, acceptance, pride in oneself, and compassion greatly affected me and resonated emotionally. I can honestly say that it has brought me closer to people from a myriad of different backgrounds. It has made me feel cherished and important as someone who has is, who is accepted he was a little different. Characters such as Data and Spock, I, re I relate to their social difficulties. And so to have met so many encouraging and open people has changed my world. Talking about Star Trek, its thematics and role models with like-minded individuals makes me insanely happy. And Text Trek has brought me wonderful in-depth conversation with its fantastic presenters. You and Dave make my Fridays exciting, even if I have to watch the replay. Uh, you mean a lot to me and many more. Uh, here's uh, to a listener among many and for many, many discussions to come. Uh, you deserve every last subscriber and more. What a guy, Robbie. <laughs> yes, He's great. Thank you. We'll have the, uh, the check sent to you uh, tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie does represent though that, Young, that like what you were talking about uh, absolutely like the younger yeah. blood or whatever you want to call yeah, it he's, like he's this, literally the 18? next i'd like to eight, just call 18 or 19 he's How 18 he? like the next uh, generation so it's neat Jay. to see his perspectives and and his favorite show is enterprise which is pretty cool like that's a neat thing you know like that a that a person who didn't grow up watching enterprise that's their favorite show it's pretty cool. right yeah i mean but for a long time that was the most modern so it kind of makes sense that'd be like yeah. the one that's like I might, the I, he may have changed his mind with Stranger Worlds, but I, last time I remember it was Enterprise. I just want to say, Jay in the audience rightly notes I should have read it in his Scottish accent. <laughs> I'm sorry. Next well, time. I could, I could do it, redo it. Oh, <laughs> I am Robe. No, I'm just kidding. That was terrible. terrible. That was the worst, yeah. <laughs> but what he's talking about with with having like this this uh, community, you know, with uh, I, I, I get what he's saying. You know, I didn't grow up with people who watched Star Trek. No one in my family watched Star Trek. I... Uh, didn't have I never had any friends that 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 cared about it and it's it's kind of weird and then like in recent years I got in a situation where a lot of a lot of my friends I used to like do stuff with I used to like go out with like they either like moved away or got married or whatever and mm -hmm. like now like I kind of have like a hard time finding people to uh, go hang out with or do things with except with the online Star Trek community I... and now I know so many people who care about Star Trek and it, it, it's, it's really been just a, uh, a wonderful community to be a part of, you, uh, you know, like I, I, some of these, some of these friendships I've made in, in recent years because of new Star Trek being back are some of the, the friendships I, I, I cherish most and that I, I think I'll be lifelong friends with a lot of these people. And even if you're unable to, you know, go to conventions and stuff, I know like, uh, you know, it can be expensive to travel or, you know, if, if people have, you know, health issues or concerns or whatever, and they're not able to like, like get out to the, these things, but like even just connecting online, even just, you know, do, doing our show, doing text track and connecting with our audience, uh, that, that, that's such a important part of, of my life that I that just didn't exist five years ago. I, yeah, definitely. I like, I haven't gotten out to a Star Trek convention yet. Ooh. um the uh, chicago literally happened uh the weekend before my brother got married and getting the weekend off of that seemed more important yes so, <laughs> understandable uh, are you gonna try for seattle i i might okay cool i don't want to i don't want to like put no any promises. like yeah, no yeah, promises yeah. but i <laughs> i for the first time in a while have a fairly stable job so right on but i know it's what's nice about online is like for the most part it's free like you don't and you don't have the barrier of like 
being in the same place. Uh, yeah, like I have um, a lot of online friends, not just from Star Trek, but I'll say like I making friends in Star Trek goes to me a lot quicker than like anywhere else. I think that Rachel, instant connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek has always kind of touted the spirit of friendship. Like I feel like yeah. friendship has been a big part of Star Trek, in addition to like things like infinite, you know, concepts like infinite diversity, uh, in infinite combinations. But Star Trek mm-hmm. has always had a great focus or a great like has set a great example of like what a equitable or just like healthy friendship yeah should be. We see it in, in myriad examples throughout the uh, different shows, and even mm-hmm. in like the darker Star Trek shows, like you know, if you want to put Picard and discovering that, like the spirit of friendship really shines through. So I think Star Trek fans, like or people who like invest a little more time into Star Trek, will start to like ignite that that spirit ignites in them, and and you just like want to be friends with other Trekkies, like yeah. Absolutely. Every every crew of, of every ship or station in Star Trek is also a family. So. Yeah. Hmm. Whereas like I was like, I was like, there's not a Star Trek show where I'm like, these are these people are just colleagues. I'm like, no, they would literally die for each other. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I have a submission from Bruce Gibson. He's on the Positively Trek podcast with Dan Gunther. Uh, and he wanted to talk about some of the uh, the fun he's had in these recent years of modern star trek and being able to connect with people at events so this one the audio is going to sound a little weird for people listening to the podcast but after the clip i'll explain why but uh here is bruce gibson is that text trek hey guys i've been waiting for you to ship in from texas to hear georgia to say hi well i'm saying hi and Happy five years on the podcast. It's just incredible. I mean, five years. Can you imagine? I mean, we've gotten all these Star Trek series in the past five years, and I've loved them all. And oh, by the way, for those who don't know, I'm Bruce Gibson. I do Positively Trek, a podcast with Dan Gunther. And we do things, all things Star Trek. But yeah, you know, it's hot out here. But I wanted to let you guys know that the past five years have not only been incredible for new Star Trek series, but even for me as a Star Trek fan. I've gotten to go to many conventions. I've gotten to meet people online in person that I've never talked to in person before, even with the pandemic, even with that window in there. But, you know, I even got to go to the red carpet for Star Trek Discovery when that premiered. That was incredible. And that was by accident. I just happened to be in Hollywood on business. And all of a sudden I'm in the theater and meeting the cast and all kinds of people behind the scenes. So that was incredible too. So happy five years. Congratulations, and here's to another five years. Oh, and return to sender. <laughs> yes, sir. If you couldn't see that, that was uh, Bruce Gibson talking to his mailbox as if we had been shipped to him. But, uh, but thank you, Bruce. Audio was just fine, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I, it came I was, through nice. Yeah, yeah, when I saw what was, how it was being filmed, I was like, "Oh no!" And I was like, "Oh, I can hear him." Like, oh no, just like a little bit of a little bit of echo in there. Yeah. Bruce was um, uh, hosting that cool panel with Jesse uh, at Star Trek uh, Mission Chicago. Yeah, yeah uh, we with, we met him with, at uh, at authors, Chicago. Yeah. I, I talked to him online about yeah. like I wanted to meet up, and then I was actually I was in the uh, the main stage room. Uh, we were waiting on some panel to start, and I was looking at something on my phone. And for some reason, I I pulled up my camera. I guess I was going to take like a selfie of myself or something. 
But like I look at my camera and I see Bruce Gibson sitting in a row behind That's me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what do you do? He's like, I was just about to message you and tell you I was sitting <laughs> behind you. But uh, yeah, that was, that was my introduction to Bruce Gibson. But yeah, like really, really fun guy. People should listen to him and Dan on Positively yes. Trek. I, I listen to them every every Tuesday morning when they put out a new podcast. That's the first thing I do. I, I, I get up in the morning, I go to the bathroom, I hit play on Positively Trek and uh, listen to them as I, as I uh, get dressed and get ready for work. Um, they're really fun dudes. But yeah, he is a part of what makes this community so great, right? You get to meet cool people like Bruce. Uh-huh. That also reminds me of another podcast I listen to every week, the Infinite Diversity podcast over on the BQN podcast network. Uh, Chrissy over there uh, wrote in a message for us. Uh, Dave, do you want to share what uh, what Chrissy had to say? Yeah, yeah, let's see. Um, uh, after she says, uh, you know, hello and thanks for including her, uh, she, added, she went on to say, but when I think about the last five years of Trek, there's three things that stick out. The first is having been invited to join Brandon Shea Metalla and uh, Justin Oser to talk about Picard on Trek FM's The Line, and then moving over to UFP and BQN with Infinite Diversity. It prompted me to think more deeply about Star Trek, its context in society and history, and how it all connects. Justin and Brandon have moved on to other things, but I would not have had their friendship without new Trek and podcasts about it. And this brought me into a whole new community of friends, including my current co-host on Infinite Diversity, Thad Haight. Uh, this also put me in the position to create my other podcast, History with the Zalagi, Zalagis. I don't. I'm sorry about. I might have butchered the name, <laughs> which I write and record with my fellow historian partner, uh, Jason. Uh, the second thing that comes to mind is that I've had the opportunity to lead a Star Trek discussion group as part of a retiree lifelong learning outreach at one of the universities at which I teach. I put it in the schedule on the off chance uh, it would have enough people to happen, and it almost filled up the first time I offered it. I wasn't able to do it during COVID, but it started up again and just as popular. The third thing is Mission Chicago. That was my first big convention and the first one I'd been to since I was 10 years old. And I got to meet in person so many of the people with whom I'd spoken via podcasting and social media. Uh, but the best part was that I got to share it with my husband, Jason, and my sister, Nikki, and her Parmakai Dom. <laughs> um, uh, my fandom has been reinvigorated and expanded in the last few years, and I can't wait to see what else is coming to the Star Trek universe. Oh, very cool. And I think Chrissy was on that panel as well where they had the the star trek authors yes uh but i believe yeah so, so yeah, uh, I, you're right. I, I recommend people listen to her and thad they they kind of do what text trek does they cover like all the new episodes so i think they're on hiatus right now but they'll start back up with lower decks in in mm-hmm. a few weeks but yeah another cool person that was at mission chicago starfleet boy i don't know if you remember there's like this one uh weirdo that kept like following us around that we were hanging out at mission chicago uh but uh, i kind of forgot William about him but for, no no, no um <laughs> i can't remember his name but for some reason he submitted some material to us to, I, I don't even think i invited him or asked him to share anything but but here oh, we no, go here is, uh, oh, wait no. let me check my notes this is from uh a youtuber called trek on the tube okay here we go i think it's tubby trek on the tubby no i'm just kidding hey trek on the tube here oh my goodness 200 episodes are you kidding me congratulations text trek it's amazing i love you guys i love your show it's great carry on continue on keep on boldly going uh you wanted me to talk about i, I don't know something uh, impactful i guess or something meaningful 
um, that has happened to me over these past five years or, or, or something specific about Star Trek, I'll tell you what. My, uh, my fandom has changed, and I know this sounds very cliche, but I think the, the, the best thing uh, that I can like kind of uh, commemorate and, 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 and talk to you about over these pa past five years of like this modern era, this contemporary era of Star Trek is meeting new friends uh, and, and just bonding with so many people along the way. Uh, honestly, like I, I never really had Trekkie friends, you know, growing up. Uh, and through all of the like 90s era Star Trek all of that like I didn't know anyone and then with Discovery with Star Trek 2017 as it was first called um, I started meeting people online. Uh, it started with you know Damien Irish Trekkie shout out uh, It started there and then it grew and grew and grew and then it became uh, all of you guys like everyone you guys know who you are and then I was finally able to meet you at the convention it was so awesome and I think that that's, that's honestly like the greatest, most heartwarming thing that this modern era of Star Trek uh, has brought to me. I'm, I'm so grateful to know you guys. I'm, I'm continuously learning uh, new things um, about the world, about you guys, about myself, um, both with Star Trek and with your guys' help. So I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that. And, uh, and also just to be able to share the experience, like share the Star Trek experience, uh, share the viewing. Some episodes are eh, and some episodes are amazing, but regardless, to be able to like, to be able to talk about it uh, and reflect upon it with like-minded people, uh, or at least people uh, that enjoy the property um, as much as you do, it, it, it's, uh, it's something special. So uh, yeah, thank you guys. That's... That's my thing. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's good enough. You tell me if this is good enough. It was All not right. good Live enough. Live long and prosper. Was... <laughs> I love you guys. And, uh, you know, just keep on trekking. It was not good enough. That was the worst video on your Well, that, that's the best <laughs> That's the best he could do. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Sometimes we got to lower our expectations. But, no, uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Toddy. Uh, it was uh, a delight to get to see you in person. And I, I've enjoyed our friendship over the years is actually uh truck on the tube was one of the first people in, in star Trek Twitter who, who reached out to me. He just like DM'd me one day and I was like, Oh, hello. You're the, you're the it's text. He's Trek desperate. Dude. He's super talk. desperate. Well, I, I was trying not to be too judgmental, but, <laughs> but, but through him, I was able to meet you Starfleet boy and, uh, and, and many other people. So it was, uh, uh, I, I'm so I glad my real did. best friend through, uh, through Toddy. So that's good. But, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, he's one of my dearest friends. I'm being really mean. I the crew in Prodigy. This is like it's the crew in Prodigy right it's now. True. <laughs> I apologize. He's probably and he's so sensitive. He'll get upset like if I do it too much. So I'm not. Gonna no, 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 surely not. <laughs> no. Have you ever been in those situations where people don't know your dynamic and they're like. I need to address the hostility. We're like, no, you don't. We love each other. Like, yes. We've had that happen. When fleets were around, we had a, a, a ongoing feud and, and people thought we were serious. So it was, it was not good. So we had to tell people constantly, no, 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 we love each other. Um, so here's a fun fact about fleets. They never worked on my Twitter account and started working the day before they were going away. <laughs> Well, I, I was always too dumb to figure out how to use them, so it didn't really impact me. I remember you getting angry about Fleet's father. 
Oh yeah, because I... I got mad y'all kept talking. I was like, what the hell are y'all even talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I was so annoyed by not having them because the time I worked as a social media manager, and luckily the mm. account I ran for work had it, but I was like, I forget about them because they're not on my main Twitter feed. I do I do have a, a couple more clips to share, but I, I do think like the main theme of the evening, if, if there is one, is that you know there there's been so much cool stuff with mm -hmm. this last five years of Star Trek. But I think the thing that has come up the most is the sense of community. And that's also something that is kind of unique to this era of Star Trek, because it, it's so much easier to connect now than it was in the decades past. So uh, I have uh, a submission from Captain Foley on the Trek Yards YouTube channel. And uh, he wanted to talk a little bit about what that's like uh, being being a content creator and being a part of this community in the modern era of Star Trek. So here is Captain Foley or Stuart Foley from Trek Yards. Captain Foley from Trek Yards here. Good to see you guys. Thank you so much for having me on and to talk about some of our favorite things from New Trek. So, Stephen, you're the man. Love you. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, so we're here to talk about some of the things we really like about the new Star Trek, the last five years of Star Trek. Um, it is like the Silver Age of Star Trek. Now, a lot of people might disagree and call it the Golden Age. I still think the Golden Age is the 90s when we had or we had uh, TNG, DS9, Voyager, and then eventually Enterprise on. I think that was more of the Golden Age. This is like the Silver Age, like the Silver Age of comics. There's more to love. Things are getting their own spin-off series, stuff like that. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's a good time to be a Trekkie. Um, Trek Yards is coming up on its seventh anniversary in October of this year, 2022, and uh, we've really enjoyed all the new Trek. We created Trek Yards before there was new Trek on the horizon. So it's 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 fun to be part of this community right now. It's a good time to be a Trekkie, and. You know, you might not appreciate all the new shows, you might not like all the new shows, you might have a problem with Discovery, you might have a problem with Lower Decks because of the animation or the humor. Everybody's going to have their own likes and dislikes, you can't make everybody happy. But Trek Yards, we focus on going in and looking at the good and the bad in all of it, because there is good and bad in all of Star Trek, even the old stuff. There's a lot of problems with TOS, a lot of problems with TNG. They all have their problems, they all have their fantastic things. Even Discovery is the same way, there's a lot of good stuff in Discovery. So. I don't hate any Star Trek. I never will. It's Star Trek. I'm going to love it all. I'm going to judge it on its own merits and go from there. There's a lot of good stuff going on right now, which we really appreciate. I mean, I became friends with Anthony Rapp as a result of Discovery. Um, he was actually watching Trek Yards in season one, trying to get a... He loved our prediction videos in order to predict what was going to happen next week. He loved hearing those kind of things. So that was amazing to know that people on the show are actually watching our show. Um, and Tilly from Discovery. I mean, come on, guys. Tilly. Let's just leave it at that. <clears throat> um, but, uh, you know, we've had um, designers on our show. We've had producers on our show. We've had actors on our show. And you'd be surprised who actually watches. Uh, Mike McMahon actually watches Trek Yards, has for a while now. Um, Aaron Waltke from Prodigy, he watches Trek Yards. He's been a fan for years, even before Prodigy was conceived of. So... They watch our content. Mike McMahon, we did an interview with him and his team. They actually say that Trek Yards hold them to task. They wonder what Trek Yards is going to say about a particular decision they're going to make or a ship they're going to show. So stuff like that's really great. Um, <clears throat> there's just so much out there for everybody. Whether you're a fan of the, the animation style or the humor or not, you can enjoy Lower Decks. You cannot choose to not watch it. There's just 
so much good Star Trek content right now. It's a fantastic time to be a Trekkie, as I keep saying. So, yeah, I mean, but honestly, in my mind, one of the best things about the last five years is all of the people I've met and all of the channels that have popped up on YouTube. Jesse Gender, Starfleet Boy, Trek on the Tube, Tex Trek, Salty Trekker. There's so many, 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 many people talking about Star Trek right now. These are people, a lot of them that I've met in person. Um, I watch all the time. I feel like I know them. Um, getting to hang out with them at conventions and stuff is fantastic. Um, so, honestly, it's the community. It's the love, the shared love of a franchise, the shared past history of being a Star Trek fan, and just the fact that these people are creating this new content around shows that we love, <clears throat> showing off their love of the show, and just, it's just... Like I keep saying, it's a fantastic community. Even our Trek Yards community, the people that join us for our lives. we got a lot of regulars that join us for every live. Uh, Stephen Fathry is one here from Text Trek. He joins us on our lives quite often and comments. And it's it's a just, as I said, it's a great community. There's great people involved. And it's a... F this wouldn't have been able to be done in the 90s. All of these YouTube channels talking about Star Trek. So it's the perfect time to be a, a Trekkie, as I keep saying. Um, there's a lot to love, and there's a lot more coming. Um, I know for a fact Season 3 of Picard is going to be off the chain. If you didn't enjoy Season 1 or Season 2, you need to watch Season 3, because the way it's been developing and some of the information we have, trust me, you guys are going to be impressed. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so definitely give it a chance. Give all new Trek a chance. Watch it all. Don't judge it based on what other people say. Watch it for yourself. Then watch these YouTube channels, um, which talk about their love for it and see if you can get a new appreciation for something that you missed or something that you didn't think of. Because we like to generate conversation. We like to have our community have input. And that's one other reason I really appreciate that uh, I was asked to come on here and talk about this today. So, um, yeah, if you haven't heard of Trek Yards, look us up on YouTube and on the social medias. We're on all of them. We're on Twitter. We're on uh, Facebook. So look us up and uh, look up everybody else I mentioned as well. Um, it's definitely worth it. And like I said, the best thing for me is the people, the people that I've met, uh, whether it be people in the industry, like I said, the actors or the designers. Uh, I've become really close friends with a lot of them as a result. And if you would have told me that, like, 10 years ago that I'd be friends with people like Doug Drexler and Rick Sternbach and John Eaves and Andrew Probert or even Anthony Rapp, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, but now I talk to them on a regular basis, they've become friends of mine. And as a result, so have other other YouTubers. Um, so it just made my life a lot better having Trek back on the air. Not only is it an entertainment value that you get to watch new Trek and you get excited for new Trek coming on, but then you also get the spin-offs of the YouTube content talking about it and just getting to know people that are like-minded and that really love the same thing that you love. So I guess that's it. Um, that's my takeaway from this. There's a fantastic community that's grown up around new Trek and even old Trek. That we haven't forgotten that old Trek exists. We still talk about that as well. Um, it's, it's a legacy um, and it's definitely worth time to check everything out so 
that's kind of where I stand. So thank you very much. And uh, hope to see you guys over on Trek Yards at some point. Go subscribe. Go join our lives. See what we're all about. And uh, look forward to having you guys join us. So until next time, guys, I'm Captain Foley signing off. Live long and prosper. Have a good one, everybody. The reason I don't remember your uh, first patron Patreon uh, live stream watch long is because of Captain Foley. He got me oh yeah because you were uh, on one of their their yeah. <laughs> drunkyard streams and they got and me having, so like, drunk a good time partying. Time. I was so wasted. <laughs> was, uh, th yeah. Thank you, Stuart, for taking the time to uh, send that our way. We appreciate hearing from you. I think yeah, he there's, brought uh, up a... there's definitely a thematic of uh, of the community here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and he brought up a good point about there wouldn't be this type of online content, you know, in in the past yeah. decades because we I mean, we didn't have things like podcasts, we didn't have things like YouTube, we didn't have things mm -hmm. like uh, Yorg on Twitter who shares the screenshots of every episode like immediately after they drop and points out all the little details and stuff. Instead, like you'd have to wait months to get like the Star Trek magazine to see some of that stuff, or maybe <laughs> they'd run like an article on StarTrek.com or something. But but yeah, so it's definitely uh, in some ways a richer community now than uh, than ever before. Although certainly shout out to the uh, the the '60s people that uh, that built it up through uh, blood, sweat, and uh, letters in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And fanzines and fanzines. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I... Mo modern fandom would not be what it is if it wasn't for like '60s Star Trek fans. Yes. Also, I love the I love that like things. There's always some new information coming out uh, that was like more obscure. People knew about it like back then, but like, I think that people that deserve more of a highlight are getting it now. Like mm -hmm. Nichelle Nichols with woman in motion, the new documentary mm -hmm. that just came out. Like I was blown away. Like I know that if I like properly researched, I could have found out all these things, but it was great that like, she finally got her like kind of dues, yeah. you know, right. like, or like proper flowers. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's something yeah. that Larry talked about a lot. Yeah. With one of the big things with with larry he's kind of you know the star trek historian he's mm -hmm. he's he's like our guardian of forever he has everything documented mm -hmm. uh you know from going all the way back to the very beginning with with yeah, gene Roddenberry awesome. and gene coons and and dorothy and, and all of the original series people but uh, w one thing that he points out is that a lot of these stories need to be retold you know a lot of people knew about mm -hmm. what nichelle nichols was doing in the 70s and 80s and all, mm -hmm. all of that but uh enough time has passed that you know people have forgotten or like newer people have discovered star trek and discovered nichelle nichols and yeah. they never heard those stories so a lot of it or has just, to be preserved yeah. and repeated uh, it's also yeah there's sort of a signal boost uh and and also like mm. you get enough people talking about it and you know in social media and these online venues you can yeah you can bring stuff back to the fore and right. and you know to give uh captain foley uh his flowers and also uh Stuart, um when I like before I ever had any aspirations of doing podcasting or YouTubing or anything like that's text, uh, uh, sorry, Trek Yards was text Trek also was around by the way, they're because they're time travelers, but uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Trek Yards was like a, a, a show that was like really satisfying, like uh, a niche, there was super niche at the time, and also right. I want to give yeah. a shout out to Junk Ball Media. If you guys don't know Junk Ball Media, please go check check out. Yeah, they, they just Junk put out a, a video on the, the history yes. of the runabout in Deep Space yes. Nine. Such a great channel, so much fun, and I think the spirit, you know, like these two channels were around in the quote-unquote time when like YouTube mm. was more of a frontier, if you will. And right, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's funny you yeah. mentioned that because they were they were one of the ones they were like one of the first star trek youtube channels i discovered nice and then uh, i was also you know trying to get into star trek podcasting 
mm-hmm. back in those earlier days, uh, we're talking like six, seven years ago, there wasn't a lot of like Star Trek podcasts, but the network that I found at the time was Trek FM. A lot of those really uh, cool people there, they, they've moved on to uh, BQN and other places. But uh, what, one of the one of the podcasters that I discovered at Trek FM, uh, Amy Nelson, I have, I have a clip that I'm going to share from nice. her. Uh, before I do, though, like, Rachel, did, do you have something you were going to say? Oh, I was, uh, it was what he pointed out about what well, he was saying, like people involved with the show, but also I'd say like bigger part, uh, bigger people in the fandom more so than any other fandom I've been involved with, like actually like engage with like like random people yeah like i'm like i have a I, okay following now but i've had like the hegman brothers at one point like retweeted one of my tiktoks about prodigy and i was like oh wait what like they watched that like <laughs> they watched uh, to be t- fair your tiktoks are epic oh, thank uh, you. yes okay it's true um, <laughs> i remember like i like bigger in fandom like i remember kind of really on like larry nemechek retweeting one of them and i mean just like i had like grown up reading like his books and i was like what is happening like this is yeah. insane the first time the, the possibilities nemechek interacted with me i died because i same thing i grew up reading yeah. his books like it was nuts and i i still i have a, like, <laughs> i still have like a hard time being like you know, uh, a podcaster when like someone like Larry Nemechek comes on, I, show. like it's like I just start getting goofy and fan out. <laughs> like, it's like, like so. <laughs> Larry followed me, and like Steve Shadows followed me at some point too. And it, the, what always be funny is sometimes they'll like like a random tweet of mine that has nothing to do with Star Trek, and I was like, why are you following me? Like I'm like important <laughs> enough for you to follow. Yeah, when it's not even Trek related. Yeah. And and can I go and add just that all of the Trek actors, writers, producers, like they've all like somehow I I don't know how these folks do it, but they all have somehow managed to touch like someone in the fan. Like it's just they're like so responsive and and interested and interactive. And like I'm not at all surprised that like Anthony Rapp is friends with Stuart. Because, yeah. Oh, sorry, with uh, Captain Foley. Yeah, and because like um. You know, he seems like that type of person from what I've seen online. Like he, he goes out of his way to like, like under he seeks to understand. Like all of them do. They like want to know your, especially if you don't like the show. They'll like try to understand your perspective. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, there's folks out there who are just like insincere and are just doing it to be dicks. But like there are also valid critiques that I think are being you know really considered, which is awesome. Yeah. Look, I. I have occasionally had like Star Trek actors like like a tweet where I'm talking about their character, but I have not tagged that actor, and they're like, "Yeah, I agree with that," and I'm like, "I, what? (laughs) (laughs) Who showed this to you? We truly Uh, live in in, you know. I I will disagree with Captain Foley on one thing. He called it the Silver Age. I'm I'm gonna go out and say this is the gold press latinum age of Star Trek. (laughs) It's like freaking a cool time to be a Trekkie. I agree with him on that called it like the text uh the star trek renaissance because in my head it's like the disney renaissance and like that like it's not better or worse than like the golden era but i was like it's really cool to be a fan right now for sure well uh, here's the clip from uh from amy over at the uh, bqn podcast network hello fathery this is miss amy nelson And I am so honored that you asked me to participate in your very special episode number 200. Congratulations. Uh, My five things that I wanted to share with you 
in the past five years. And I'm going to start five years ago with my number one at STLV 2017. We had all the actors from Discovery. We hadn't seen anything, just a few trailers, you know, the character names, actors, and they were there to promote the new Discovery live action. Oh my gosh, it was so amazing. And I fell in love with the actors and that was a very special moment to launch this new era of Trek. Very happy to have participated in that. My second favorite Trek thing is the Star Trek cruise. And Wathery, I met you there. Um, that was amazing. I went in 2020 and again in 2022. That has definitely changed how I feel about this whole Trek possibility. Can we make this happen? Yes, we can. Um, I absolutely endorse and recommend everyone go on the cruise if you can. Um, it's a wonderful experience. My third highlight that I wanted to mention was the new animation. Now, I'm not a big fan of watching animated series, not movies. If I go with a niece or nephew, it's just not my thing. So I was very hesitant to hear about, oh my gosh, we're getting these animations of uh, Lower Decks and Prodigy, but both have been so different and so wonderful and so unique. Um, again, I'm coming with fresh eyes. I do not watch much animation, but these two series have won me over. I think they tell great stories and they are great animations. My fourth favorite thing of Trek are the new live actions of Discovery, Picard, and Strange New Worlds. Absolutely so wonderful to have these shows out. Um, it just reminds me back, obviously, with TNG, DS9, and Voyager, and Enterprise. Like, we had so much Trek to talk about, and now we have even more because that is being added to what has already been produced Absolutely, I'm loving the live action, and I have to say Alex Kurtzman is doing a great job because these live action series are all so different and unique, um, episodic, serialized, you know, big character arcs. Um, I think they're really giving us what, <clears throat> whether we want it or not, um, they are giving us great shows and you can really tell that each show, their showrunners and those who are producing it really love Star Trek. And I absolutely love the direction that we are going. And my fifth and final favorite thing about Trek is my Trek family. Podcasting and talking to everyone in the podcasting world and in the Twitterverse and at the <clears throat> at the live events like STLV or the cruise or you know just talking to people making that connection um, is really for me what Star Trek is all about and I'm very 
happy to be a part of this Trek family. Thank you so much for your contributions and again for having me participate. So thank you, Amy, for uh, sharing that with us. And she's really cool. She's actually a resident of Las Vegas. So yeah. she's always at Star Trek Las Vegas. And so I love she's always at Star, Star Trek Las Vegas. I love that. Yeah, like she goes every year. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, I could cross town for her. That like, she's just always there. It's always there. Yeah, like, it's no, always no, no, she's not always there. No there. I mean, you but can always count on, on seeing yeah. her there. So I, I'm looking forward think, to seeing her in, in about a month in, in I mean, Las Vegas. I need a Star Trek uh, um, convention to come to Texas. So that way I can like regularly go. Yeah, I mean, maybe one day this uh, the official roaming convention, they might, uh, they might, I've, I've uh, heard that they're going to places where Reed Pop, the company that does that convention where, where they do other things and they, they have something they do in San Antonio. Uh, I think it's a uh, PAX South or something oh, based oh. in San Antonio. Oh, it's possible I that we, I know we get a PAX in Seattle, PAX, whatever it's called. Though. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. they do the, the Northwest one well, in Seattle. Yeah. I mean, the, I wouldn't be able to like, I would still need a hotel, but I could just drive to San Antonio. Right. Yeah. You, you don't need a, a plane ticket to, yeah. to go to go there. So hopefully someday it happens. But yeah, I think that'd be I tons know. of Isn't fun. Isn't there a song about like, is anybody going to San Antonio or something like that? San, San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco. Never mind. But there are, bad. We sure can appropriate it. Uh, <laughs> there are songs about San Antonio. I'm sure there are. Sure. Um, it was Ben Milam who said, who's going to follow Ben Milam to San Antonio during the Texas War for Independence in 1836? But that's, I, uh, that's probably I not Father what you're thinking of. <laughs> Father is always ready to bust out the Texas history. <laughs> I did uh, uh, love what you're saying about animation because I, well, I actually was really looking forward because the animation did like the two things that I really wanted Star Trek to do with animation is one, get more cameos in because it's a lot easier to get an actor yeah. to like come in, do a couple voiceovers. Don't have to worry about if they look too old. Don't have to worry about um, getting everyone in the same location and be more creative with alien designs. And I feel like between strange new world, not between lower decks and prodigy, we've really gotten that. Yeah. The animated series in the seventies kind of set a precedence for, uh, yeah, you, know, you, you can, you can do crazier visuals and animation. Um, the last clip I have, I saved for last. It's actually from Triangulum Audio Studios, and it's very well edited. Uh, if you're watching the video of this, there's footage. We, we've we had bad luck in the past sharing actual footage from, from new episodes of Star Trek, so I wanted to save this for last in case like the stream gets shut down. Uh, we'll be okay. But I'm, I'm going to shrink the screen. I'm going to make it a little smaller, so hopefully the, the algorithms don't freak out when they see it. But mm -hmm. here's the clip I got from Triangulum Audio Studios. And it's about one of their favorite moments in all of the, the five years of modern Star Trek. My favorite moment from the new golden age of Star Trek isn't a space battle or a starship beauty shot, but simply a line from Star Trek Picard season one. In the first episode of that series, right after Dodge is killed in a surprise Zot Vosh attack, Picard awakens in his home and says, I haven't been living. I've been waiting to die. And this line resonated with me like no other in New Trek's dialogue. You see, as we age, we begin to wonder if we can still make a difference and are still relevant. And at that moment, Picard summed up my life with a single sentence. 
making me realize who I had become after the loss of my closest and dearest friend. And so, with a simple line of dialogue, Star Trek once again affected my life, changing it for the better, making me realize that my human adventure was just beginning. What a beautiful, sincere sentiment, though. Yeah, yeah that's that very is, nice, actually. And that, I, I love that sentiment, actually. It's <laughs> true. Yeah, it's kind of a morbid note to to end <laughs> end the show on, but you well, know, I, but, but, honestly, it's kind of beautiful because it, it is. Like, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, well, it's about is... turning around, uh, you know, yes. a very difficult situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm sorry, uh, David, Triangulum Audio Studios. To, I've I've heard you mention something about that story before, and yeah. you know, I'm sorry that uh, you know you had to go through a, a loss like yeah. that. But I'm glad that you were able to find like you know some solace and comfort and in star trek which happens to me all the time i think i always say star trek is largely a show about the human experience kind of like shakespeare is um but you know it's just told in a way that has it has you know balkans and klingons and phasers and stuff like that so so for me it's a very cool way to explore the 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 human experience but yeah i think that kind of ties into like a larger theme of star trek picard it's really grappled with the of, of with mortality you know, season one, you know, kind of ends with with uh, Data being being released from existence. Uh, same thing with Q in season two. I think it's very likely, uh, you know, season three, the end of Picard might be the literal end of Picard. Uh, no. Would seem to be like you know be on track. You're but, not uh, wrong, but also I don't want to watch that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's sad. It's it's uh, you know it, it's kind of hard to think about, but you know that is. Uh, our mortality and death mm-hmm. that is part of the human experience so some part of star trek should uh focus on that and, and i think we're getting that in star trek picard definitely but on, on a cheerier note in addition to picard season three there's tons of great stuff to look forward to uh i i want to uh thank all of you for uh celebrating text trek 200 with me and everyone in the audience everyone listening to this later or watching it later thank you Rachel, do you want to remind people where they can uh, where they can find you in case they want to check out those those TikToks or follow yeah. you or listen to your podcast? I'm Drama Dork eight eight four on basically every social media. Uh, I mostly solo create uh, content for TikTok, and some of those get posted from t- uh, to Twitter. But sometimes, if you use a TikTok audio, it gets copyright struck on Twitter. So that's why I've been posting those a lot less. Um, I'm also on the podcast at. Uh, Disco Tech, uh, which is uh, Disco Trek, which is a Star Trek podcast, and I'm on the podcast Massacre Mayhem, which is an act uh, an actual play podcast. Cool. And uh, Starfleet Boy, do you have anything going on that you want to tell us about right now? Uh, we'd love it if you'd uh, help us out and subscribe to Starfleet Boy. Uh, you can do a Google search for Starfleet Boy. I'm lucky enough to be the only Starfleet Boy uh, <laughs> that comes up. So so there's a lot of things I'm doing. Uh, we have a Starfleet Boy After Dark channel as well. And uh, as uh, Father pointed out, uh, I've been lucky enough to be a guest uh, fairly regularly here on Text Trek. So thank you for including me on this 200th episode celebration, Father. I really appreciate it. Uh, and thanks for always being a great friend. He finally let you out of the engineering. Uh, <laughs> he did. Engineering yeah, room. we, fit, we <laughs> let you up under the bridge for a while, and I loved it. It was so <laughs> great. <laughs> and, and thank you, everyone in the live audience who stuck with us to the end. Uh, Jay, yes, Uncle Arthur, Stress Free K, Boatwreck, Jill, uh, every, anyone else who's still in there. We we love and appreciate you. Uh, 
Dave and I will be back next week. We're going back to Deep Space Nine Season 5. So we're going to be covering Episodes 10 through 18 of Season 5. That's Rapture all the way up to business as usual. Uh, But until next week, as always, live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at TXTrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.